0: for Racing, NASCAR, and Race Talk Review of Phoenix. This is Monday night, November the eleventh, and uh, I want to start off with a special thank you to all of our veterans and uh, uh, past, present, and future uh, and for the protections that they provide to our country. So uh, with that, uh, our co-host Sal Segala should be joining us here shortly. And uh, we, I will go through the review uh, or the agenda for tonight. In the first half hour, we are going to look at uh, just a few updates from the Arkham Menard series and uh, the Canon Pro Series East. Then we'll get into a um, review of the Gander Outdoor Truck Series first. Uh, and then we'll get do a review of the Canon Pro Series championship race that took place both of those races at ISM Raceway at Phoenix this weekend. Uh, the reason we're doing it in that order is because our guest at 9 pm is from the Canon Pro Series. He's the father of Derek Krauss, the 2019 champion of the Canon Pro Series West. and uh, that is Mark Krauss, uh, the father of Derek Krauss. From Bill McAnally Racing, so we'll look forward to talking to him about uh, the support that he gave to his son throughout the season, and uh, what it means to win that championship. Uh, at nine twenty, we'll get into a review of the Xfinity Series that raced at ISM Raceway this weekend. And at 9.30, our guest is Dylan Lupton with DGR Crossley. Now, Dylan has raced uh, this weekend at Phoenix. He's going to race again at the season finale at uh, Homestead Miami. So we'll talk to him about both both of those events. He raced a total of six races this season with DGR Crossley. So we'll talk a little bit with Derek uh, Lupton about all of that. I'm sorry, Dylan Lupton, <laughs> about all of that during the 9.30 half hour. At 9.50, Sal and I will get into the review of the NASCAR Cup Series race at Phoenix. So uh, it's going to be a lot, a very uh, loaded night tonight uh, with a lots to discuss. And joining me now is our co-host, Sal Segala. So welcome to the show, Sal.
1: Oh, hi. Thank you, Sharon.
0: Okay. Uh, I wanted to get into uh, just a few updates from the Canon, uh, I'm sorry, from the Archer Menard series. They did not race, uh, but uh, several of their do- drivers did race. Chandler Smith from Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, raced at uh, ISM Raceway this way- weekend in the uh, Canon Pro, I'm sorry, in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series, and uh, he had a really good run there.
1: I'm sorry, Sharon. My 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 uh, thing what well, is is going off and on right now. I didn't I didn't catch the last part of the okay. Yeah,
0: I hear the I hear the TV or something in the background, Sal. So no, nah, it's the neighbor. Oh, it's the neighbor. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, they
1: they they um, I guess they they have hearing aids. I don't know, but I mean, it's, okay. It's, I, I I was going to close the door, but it's 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 hot. It's hot over here where we're at. But all right. See, I'll see what we can okay.
0: do. Okay. Okay. Anyway okay, so I'm, I'm um back. I was talking about Chandler Smith racing the Gander Outdoor Truck Series at ISM Raceway this weekend. He had a pretty good run in that truck series. He's from the Arkham Menard series so uh it was good to see him running that race.
1: Yeah, it was. Um I I only caught a little bit of the of the truck race, not as much as I really wanted to catch. But um it was, uh, let's see, I think I have it right here. Yeah, okay.
0: Well, he qualified in sixth place, and uh, he ended up finishing the race uh, really well, too. He stayed in the top five for most of the evening. Uh, his average finish for this season uh, is 4.2, so uh, that's pretty good for his uh, first uh, part-time season in the truck series.
1: Oh, yeah. It is. It's, I mean, yeah, you've... Uh... It's it's a you know, it's always good you know when we we can get a finish like that you know up, up high in there. Um, let me see, I'm back. Okay, I I got actually I just got new internet on Saturday, <laughs> so. Um,
0: oh. Okay. And it, it, um, I, I can't believe how
1: fast it is. It's really it's uh. Chandler
0: really Smith actually finished yeah. third. In that yeah, truck okay, series race. So uh that was pretty cool to see him uh come over from the Arkham and Art series and run as well as he did. Uh and then some of the other stories, uh Christian Eckys had a birthday, he turned nineteen. So uh that was just yesterday. So uh pretty nice to see them say happy birthday to him.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's it's amazing how young these kids are these days. I mean you just really gosh, it's um you know you're celebrating a birthday, and you know, and, and look at how many races they've already run in their career. You know he's barely 19, and then you know you look at some of the other ones who aren't even 18 yet. You know already oh, no. made a, it, you know a, a name for themselves.
0: They really have, and and doing quite well, I must say, uh, in in uh, in the truck series. Uh, Kyle Busch, as we know, has a good eye for up and coming talent, and. Uh, is, they they uh a lot of drivers are vying for those seats. So when you see drivers uh you know, get one of those seats and then do well, uh it's pretty cool to see without a doubt. Um, yeah it is. Um okay. okay. Now uh I did want to uh get into the truck series, so why don't we go ahead and do that now? Uh Stuart Friesen Actually, uh, was the winner of that race. He moves on as one of the championship four, along with uh, Brett Moffitt and uh, Ross Chastain and Matt Crafton. So those are the four drivers that are going to move into the championship round. Uh, but finishing second was Brandon Jones. Chandler Smith, as we mentioned, finished third. Uh Ben Rhodes in fourth and Grant Infinger, the regular season champion, came home with a top five finish. The next five drivers were Matt Crafton, highest rookie, Harrison Burton finishing seventh, Johnny Sauter eighth, Ross Chastain ninth, and Brett Moffitt rounds out that top ten.
1: It was a it was a gosh, you know, it's it's good to see Harrison Burton, you know, get the get the finish that, you know, that he got. Um Especially when my Stuart Friesen was just... I mean, he's been been—he's been knocking on the door for the last two years. You know, yes, he has. Um, been and consistent. it was good to
0: see him finally break through.
1: And, and you know, it's amazing because he, he'd go from racing on a Friday night or Saturday night straight to the dirt track the next day, you know, and, and race and race dirt. So, I mean, he's, he's never... Mm-hmm. He didn't never... I, I don't know if he ever sleeps. He's never and not racing. He'll probably... Yeah, and he'll probably be at the Snowball Derby again this year. He was there last year, and I got a chance to talk with him for a little bit about the truck season. But um,
2: mm-hmm. he'll
1: probably be at the Snowball Derby again this year. And um, that guy, just he's just a race Yeah,
0: yeah, he is. Like a lot of those guys, uh, they like being in their cars and on a track. So uh, if there's an opportunity, they're taking it. Now, winning the first stage was uh, uh, actually uh, – Ben Rhodes won the first stage, second stage winner was uh Brandon Jones, and uh, of course the last stage was uh Stuart Friesen uh winning the race his first race. Uh there were five caution flags for 30 laps, uh nine lead changes among seven drivers, and uh those drivers uh, uh all had a chance to uh, be at the at the start of the uh line there for um for that race. Now, what I'm trying to see here next is our highlight. Stuart Friesen uh, won the 25th annual Lucas Oil 150. It was his second victory in 70 Gander Outdoor Truck Series races, his second victory in 16th top 10 finish this year, and his first victory in third top 10 finish in four races at ISM. Uh, Brandon Jones was second. That was his first top ten finish in three races at ISM, and his third top ten finish this season. Um, Chandler Smith posted his first top ten finish in his very first start at ISM Raceway, and as we mentioned earlier, Harrison Burton, who finished seventh, was the highest finishing rookie. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and cover the points next, Sal?
1: Hello. I'm oh, sorry, Sharon, I had, on, I had it on mute. Yeah, I'm here.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I mean I had it on mute. I you forgot to the... push the mute button. Yeah. So um our, our points after leaving ISM Speedway is um Stuart Friesen is in first. Yeah, those are of course these were all the unofficial point standings, but Stuart Friesen mm-hmm. first, Ross Chastain second, Brett Moffitt third. Um, Matt Crafton fourth and Austin Hill Rounded out the, the top five okay. then Going on down to And, and actually When we look at who's, who's going to um, Homestead It'll be Stuart Friesen, Ross Chastain, Brett Moffat, And Matt Crafton the fourth that'll be fighting For the championship um, The next race at um, Homestead Miami So Austin Hill Fifth, Johnny Sauter sixth Brandon Finger seventh, Tyler Akram Really really awesome season, really great season for him um, you know uh you know, as a, yeah, as a, a rookie, rookie. Yeah, as a rookie, you know, he would, he would pick up the the one win. But um I guess because of uh why okay, how did Back Crafton make the chase and Well he didn't
0: have any win? wins but he had enough points. So it was probably uh he got enough um he had enough um what do you call it, playoff points to keep him in the running. It still kept him above yeah, because, the cutoff line.
1: Yeah, because Tyler no, Tyler Ingram had one win before the chase. Oh no, he had his his win came his win came during the chase.
0: well, Tyler Ingram uh got a win and I think it was before the. We don't have a chase anymore, Sal. It's called the playoffs. But yeah, well, it I, was.
1: I, I call it the chase because that's what, you know. That's okay, what it playoffs. Okay, to be. so. <laughs> yeah, so either way, playoffs. But um.
0: Right. So Tyler Ankrum didn't get a win during the playoffs, so he wasn't able to advance. Austin Hill had a win, but he didn't have enough um, points. To keep him in the playoffs And he had a couple of bad finishes That kind of messed up his uh, Playoff run So that's why Matt Crafton Was able to get in Had Austin Hill had a good run at Phoenix He he may have been able To uh, beat that Matt Crafton and Matt Crafton Would have been out But uh, it, it just wasn't meant to be I guess Um For this season but he certainly Both of those drivers had good runs For the season and I don't think any Of the drivers that were eliminated this year uh, In any of the series Have anything to be sad about they think That that uh, they all Had good years it's just that Only four drivers can move forward to that Championship run at Homestead
1: Yeah I'm sorry sure you know what I had had a brain fart I forgot Tyler Eickrup did make the he did make the chase but during the chase mm-hmm. he he, he d- during, during the, the playoffs, playoffs I'm sorry during the playoffs he, he didn't advance because he had a he had a couple bad races so he didn't so he didn't advance and and the reason right. Matt Crafton is is because because Matt Matt went in on points and um right. and, okay so there we go yeah so basically Matt Crafton is the only one in there that hasn't had a that hasn't had a race win this season so going into Homestead, they all start off with four thousand points, which is basically whoever finishes the highest is going to
0: mm-hmm.
1: is going to be the uh, champion.
0: Right, and one thing to keep in mind too is that a lot of these drivers are going to make uh, if they're not in the championship four, they can make uh, stage points throughout the race for finishing in the top ten. However, the four drivers that are chasing the championship, okay. Uh, those drivers that are in the playoffs and going for that title, it, it's strictly the whoever finishes the highest. They do not get stage points. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind as you're watching the race. Uh, you're watching those four drivers and whoever has the best finish, uh, whether they win or not. If they finish second and that's the highest finishing of the four, then they win the championship. So whoever it, has exactly, the best because... finish...
1: Yeah, because whoever finishes fifth, I think I'm i not sure if Nascar doing bonus money or if um or if the fifth place finisher, you know, which is gonna be the first the first, you know, first the first place driver outside of the playoffs. I, I think I think that, that finishing in that spot, I, I think there's a the, the money there is, is, is pretty good.
0: Yeah, so it's just something just something for fans to be aware of as they, we go into Homestead, Miami, this weekend. And we'll articulate some of that more on Thursday night's show. Uh, but, Sal, I, I, um, I, I, I did think that this was a good race uh, at ISM. Uh, you know, Stuart Friesen got a well-deserved victory. And uh, what are your thoughts about the championship four? Do you have a favorite for who's going to win the championship
1: you know, it it's gonna be hard because Ross Chastain is, is I mean, you know, we all know that he made the switch in the almost in the middle of the season, you know, to, to run for the truck championship. Ross Chastain mm-hmm. is tough. Matt Crafton, he's a veteran and he knows how to win these big races. Brett Moffitt always finds a way to put himself in there. Stuart Friesen I think still needs a year or two, you know. I mean he could have a good race but it, it seems like like Stewart just doesn't have that. He doesn't have that luck or I don't, I don't, I don't know what you call it. But I have a I I'm going to say it's going to be between Chastain and Crafted for the championship.
0: No, okay. I, I think that's I know I I it's so I hard to pick. pick I think Yeah. I'd love to see Chastain win. I really would, but I think Brett Moffitt uh, will really be going after it to make it a back to, another back-to-back champion. But it's been hard to go back-to-back. Matt Crafton was the last guy to do it. Um, but I- I'm leaning toward Ross Chastain for the championship. Uh, now we need to move on, Sal, to the uh, Canon Pro Series West because they raced for a championship this weekend out at ISM Raceway. And uh, Derek Krause, we knew – Going in, that all he had to do was start the race, and he had the championship pretty much in hand. Um, so very exciting to see him win that.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was basically a, a. I mean, it was a good season for him. You, you can't take nothing away from you know what they've done this season. You know, actually, the last two seasons. You know, they, they had you know a few hiccups last season, you know, and then finished you know outside of the top. I think outside of the top three Cause, um Thorn and um and Ryan Parks took the first two spots. But this year Derek really made a a good solid run in it and um he did what he had to do to win the championship.
0: Yes, he did and and he had a fantastic year with average start of four point eight and average finish of four Uh that is the best in the um in the uh regu- of the regular season Drivers for the Canon Pro series West uh the big contest was really between second, third, and fourth place. uh Jager Jones came home with that second place finish forty nine points out haley Deegan just uh, three points behind him, and Trevor Huddleston just five points behind her in fourth place. Brittany Zamora, the other uh, Bill McNally racing driver uh finished in fifth place so um uh, going into the race, Todd Sousa was just one point behind Brittany, uh, but uh, he ended up four points behind in the end. So a lot of really strong battles uh, going on in the track, not just for the championship and the race winner, uh, because Ty Gibbs, by the way, won the race. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he was one of those drivers that we said could be a spoiler this weekend, and he was.
1: Yeah, he was, you know, and and he, and, you know, and actually he, he started 22nd, so he had to pass 21, 21 cars to get to the lead,
0: you know, which is a lot of cars
1: to pass. Yeah, it's amazing because Sam Meyer, Mayer, who started on the pole, everybody, once he got the pole, they figured that was it, you know, you know, Mayer was going to win it, I mean, because he's been tough all season, you know, coming from Mm -hmm. the, coming from the Canada East series. But um, Ty Gibbs just, you know, moved up a lot of spots. And I think Ty Gibbs was one of the drivers. There was, from what I heard, there was eight or nine drivers, I think, that, that failed uh, post, um, post-qualifying post tech. And they all had to start in the back. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why Mayer was, was – not Mayer, but I think that's why Gibbs was one of them that was, that was, you know, in the back. In the
0: back. Yeah, I think the same yeah. thing happened with Derek Kraus. Uh, he had to race from the back to the front. Um, yeah, him. Yeah, because for the him, same reason.
1: Yeah, him and Deegan and uh, Susan Riley and Riley uh, Herbs and there was a bunch. I I know I'd, I'd gotten uh, a text from somebody that was at the track, and they said that, that uh, a bunch of drivers failed, um, failed uh, post qualifying tech, and they're all going to have to start from the back.
2: But, yeah, but, but as
1: was... big as this track is, you know, it's not a little small track. You know, it being a mile track. You know what? You know they were. You know, of course, you know there was a lot of racing room. You know, so they would able to get you know around the drivers. You know, without any, without many um, incidences. You know, um,
0: right. and actually,
1: I think in that race there was only like, I think just like two lead changes was it. Yeah,
0: it's it's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I think Gibbs finished first. Uh, Sam Mayer, second uh, Both of those guys are rookies Derek Krauss came in third Haley Deegan, fourth Jager Jones, fifth uh, The next five were Brittany Zamora uh, Trenton Moriarty Mori- Moriarty, I think Trevor Huddleston, yeah, in eighth the,
2: yeah.
0: Todd Scissor, in ninth And Riley Orbs finished tenth What amazes me is that of Out of the top five I mean, out of the top ten uh, five of those drivers are rookies, so I was amazed how well the rookies did in this race.
1: Well, Jager Jones has been showing a lot of promise the whole season. You know, he got he did get the win. Yes. You know, finally, you know, and actually when he came out the first race of the season in Vegas in the dirt, you know, I mean that was gosh, I mean, you know, you had to feel really bad for him you know, that he didn't get the win. And um, yeah. You know, but. You know,
0: yeah, there were so many drivers um uh y- you did have to feel bad that he didn't get the win, but uh, I think Jager had a really fantastic season all season long as a rookie. he did get the rookie of the year honors, I believe, and um uh, the thing is, going into this race, you had so many ringers coming in with Riley Earps coming into the race uh you had he fin- he ended up tenth. Uh, You had Ty Majewski racing this race. He had a crash. Uh, He ended up finishing 20th. Zane Smith, who we know is a good driver, uh, in the number two car, finished 21st. He had engine problems. Uh, So Corey Heim from Chad Bryant Racing uh, was still running at the end of the race. Uh, He ended up 25th. This was one of the biggest fields, I think, of the whole season. And uh, these rookies really held their own. Uh, amongst all these great drivers.
1: Yeah, they did. They had um uh, 25 cars start the race. You know. And, yes. um, you know, and I think uh, there was uh let me see. Actually, they went overtime, and they had mm-hmm. um uh, 11 of them finished on the lead lap.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Now fans are going to yeah. be able to watch this race uh, this Thursday on uh, at six o'clock. On NBC Sports Network, if you didn't get to see the live broadcast, uh, you definitely want to tune in um, for this race on NBC Sports Network because uh, it was it was a pretty interesting race, and um, uh, you know, a big celebration uh, with the season finale being there for the Canon Pro series. So uh, really excited about that.
1: Yeah, it was a. Now, now I was curious to see what's going to happen next year with the with the Arkham and uh and, uh, you know, with the Ken and West and East getting together and see how this, how this schedule is going to work out and, you know, who's going to come back, you know, what drivers are going to come back, you know, what, and, you know, which ones mm-hmm. are going to move on. I mean, we're, we already know that Derek Krause is going to be leaving Bill McAnally Racing's West Series team, but, you know, moving into the trucks next season. Uh, that, yeah, but there's always new you know?
0: drivers ready to move in. And, oh yeah,
1: uh, Bill, Bill has, you know, Bill's already talking to a couple. You know, a couple more drivers. You know about. You know who's gonna. I'm pretty. i I know. I know. Deegan's another one that's leaving too. Um. So. Well, speaking man, I'm pretty of that, sure I want
0: to. I want to just let people know that next Monday night is our last show of the season. Um, <clears> on the 18th of November. And uh, we will have Bill McAnally as one of our guests for that night's show. Uh, that will be at 9 o'clock on uh, November the 18th That Bill McAnally, uh from McAnally Racing is uh, going to come on board and talk about the season and all the great drivers that he's worked with this season uh, and over the years because he's worked with a lot of really good ones.
1: Yeah, he has. He's had a lot of good, a lot of good drivers, you know, a lot of good uh... – Success, you know, and um, you know it's uh, you know it's always good to talk to Bill. I don't I don't, I don't know if he's going to let us in on any secrets on who's going to come, be, who they're going to sign for next year. <laughs> but it'll, it'll, well, it'll it be might nice be if you know too talk soon to him for that. Yeah, yeah it
0: might but be a it'll be nice too to talk soon to,
1: for that. Yeah, but it'll be nice to talk to him about the the championship season this year. You know, and the success you know he had you know yeah. with his three drivers and. Derek Krause, AED, um, and then uh, Brittany Zamora.
0: And he has made announcements on our show in the past, so we'll have to stay in touch, and, and maybe he'll make the announcements again uh, for the 2020 season uh, for who the drivers will be under that Bill McAnally racing organization uh, next year. So we'll have to kind of stay in touch with him and see if uh, we can get him back for that.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Okay, so coming up next, Sal, uh, we have the father of Derek Krauss is coming on board. Uh, We talk about it all the time, how important a role the families have in uh, ensuring the success of a lot of these drivers. And this is a great example. Uh, You know, Derek Krauss is from Stratford, uh, Wisconsin. He's a Midwestern driver and uh, he was able to race. Part of that, you know, being from the Midwest made it easier for him to race both series early in the season, and when it became clear that he was really going to, his best chance at winning the championship was going to be in the West, uh, he kind of focused on that. But, uh, uh, you know, it will be interesting talking to his dad about what his highlights are for the year and, uh, you know, have, have a different perspective of the season from, from dad's point of view.
1: Yes. You know, and, and, and there's a couple other things, you know, that I was thinking about, you know, today, you know, about, you know, when I, you know, when I, you know, told you this morning, I want to bring Mark on, you know, and then, you know, talk about, you know, of course, you know, seeing his son, you know, win the championship, but Mark himself was a racer himself. So, you know, he, he, he'll have a lot of insight, you know, on, on what, you know, on what, you know it went through you know to be a father and watch his son you know as his son's growing up in the sport you know and and they both um have both raced the snowball derby mark raced it back in um i'm gonna say it was like 2014 i think it was when he made a start and then 2015 i think is when derek made his first start in the snowball derby and uh mm. so mark mark's been around mark i mean when you go back east and you talk about mark Krauss and and the drivers they they know they know who he is you know he's he's uh you know especially you know like around the Midwest and stuff like that I mean you know they they know who Mark Cross is he's uh you know he's he's a veteran out there you know very well known.
0: Mhm. So we'll have a lot to talk to him about uh you know because of the experience that he has with racing. Uh, how different is it for him to watch as a dad uh, as his son finds that success on the track? So that's pretty cool. And uh definitely looking forward to chatting with him. He should be on in the next uh at the top of the hour here. And then at 9:30 we'll have Dylan Lupton. He's uh had a couple of, he's had six races in total with DDR Crossley and uh he's his last two races were at Phoenix last weekend and he'll be racing again at Homestead, Miami, this weekend. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to catching up with Dylan Lupton as well. He's he's uh, been on the show several times, and uh, it's always great catching up with him. So,
1: yeah, it is. Dylan's a really a really nice uh, nice guy. You know, known Dylan for gosh, I don't know how many years going on, but um, man, those guys they really know how to lay one on in Phoenix. They don't they don't rent the room. They 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 have a motorhome, cal- cavalcade one year we went to that three motorhomes <laughs> parked in a U. And uh me and a, another fellow photographer went over there to go, you know, you know, have some adult beverages with them and um oh my gosh. The barbed <laughs> dad like see I, I swear they had a barbecue bigger than uh, than a the biggest restaurant in Texas. And they had food up galore and it was a good time. Wow. We, you know, talking with, with the with the whole Dillon clan and Dad Ken and you know, that some of the guys that, yeah. that Dylan, when he, huh, are we ready?
0: Yes, we're ready. Uh, and I didn't know how much more you were going to go on there, but uh, we can pick that up somewhere before we talk yeah. with uh, Dylan. Uh, but right now we have uh, Mark Krauss on our show with us. And first of all, Mark, I want to say thanks for coming on the show. We're real happy to have you on. And second of all, I want to say congratulations uh, on your son winning the uh, Canon Pro Series uh, Championship at uh, ISM Raceway at Phoenix this weekend.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, Derek is actually traveling out to the West Coast right now.
0: Getting ready for uh, the Truck Series race. He's going to be racing the trucks this weekend.
3: No, he has something uh something to do with Bill out there with uh Toyota and uh with some kids uh testing some cars oh. that out to help with.
0: oh okay, well, that's kinda cool so yeah. he he's not finished celebrating yet, probably <laughs> nah.
3: nah, he had school today, so he went to school and then I got him to the airport and he headed out so everybody... Celebrated a little bit afterwards and went to eat and stuff. But other than that, he's back at it.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, Mark, I I wanted to kind of talk. I know Sal's got some questions for you, too. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your racing career and how you got started in racing. And then, you know, your thoughts about Derek and his his, uh, desire to get into racing.
3: Uh, Yeah, I actually... I started late, well, compared to nowadays, but I started when I was uh, 20 years old, and I just started, my brother raced street stocks on the dirt, and him and his buddies did, and then my uncle built the car, and my uncle raced it one night, and he didn't like it, and he asked if I wanted to do it, and I got in it, and raced it, and it all started there on the dirt, and then I moved to asphalt, and uh, that's where it all started
0: okay and and uh derek did he did he show an interest right away or was was uh, that something that came a little bit later
3: um no actually i think it was a week after he was born kathy brought him to the racetrack elko speedway in minnesota where we raced and he was always at the racetrack watching me race on asphalt and he always had the headset on listening and he had an interest in it, uh, right away. Um, and then he, we went when he was eight to a go-kart track and I was still racing and I took him there and he started racing go-karts and from there on it just started, you know, he, he liked doing it and he knew the expense of it and I told him if we're going to do it, you know, it's got to be something you want to do. I'm not pushing into it. I I wasn't going to live through him. I lived lived it, did what I wanted to do, and made it as far as I could. And, you know, it's, it's just tough. So uh, once he got to where I seen that he was, I guess, better, you know, I knew he had something, then I actually quit racing because I knew it would have just taken away from him if I would have kept on going.
0: Okay. And, and Derek talks, uh, you, you know, he was talking a little bit after the race about how much he's learned uh, the three years that he's been at Bill McAnally racing and how he's learned how to kind of take care of his car and, and uh, be there at the end. Uh, did you, did you, what are some of the things that you noticed about his learning as well in the three years that he's been with Bill McAnally racing?
3: Um, I guess. Yeah, that was, the biggest thing was he learned to take care of his tires, you know, the longer races. He, uh, he learned he needed something left at the end. Um, right away in the beginning when he was 15, you know, he would take off and, um, he would, he would run pretty hard. He didn't, he didn't know, you know, that at the end he would have nothing left. And I mean, that's why I'm glad he stayed in k n for three years. You know a lot of people get out right away, but there really was nowhere for him to go at his age and He just needed to keep learning and he's still learning and he's got a lot to learn and uh but that was probably the biggest thing, and he's a lot more patient you know there's times he gets aggressive i mean he he got pushed around a lot for a lot of you know for a few years there and uh you know and finally he just he got aggressive, you know, a little bit when he needed to be. Mhm. Yeah, I
0: was real happy to see him get the championship this year. Uh, I know Sal is uh, biting at the bit here. He's got some questions for you as well, Mark. So I'm going to pass the microphone over to Sal Segala here.
1: Okay. Hey, Mark. First of all, uh, you know, congratulations, you know, on the, you know, on the championship, you know, with Derek. Gosh, I can't even imagine what it must be like, you know. With you know, for you, Kathy and Lori, you know, you know, to watch them, you know, you know, progress, you know, through the years, you know, then finally, you know, get the champion, you know. Not only K N, but it's a NASCAR championship, you know, which goes a long way, you know. That's you know, with all these all these up and coming kids, that's what they're striving for.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really fun, you know, going through the steps of them from day one with the goal cards to. Vandaleros, the trucks, the super late model to now the K&N, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch and
1: keep going, you know? You know, um, and actually I'm going to touch on a little bit, something different from a, from a father's view. Um, you know, you 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 went to all his races. You know, you watched him. You know, through the three years through K&N, and then actually, I think the first time I met you guys was the first year he drove the Snowball Derby. You know, I've seen you guys ever since. You know, you guys make that trip out there. You know, he does uh-huh. a lot of super late model racing. You know, away from from the K&N. How much? How much did that? Do you think that that super late model racing helped him? You know, when it came to running the K&N cars, which are you know, I know they're a lot different.
3: Uh that that probably that helped a ton. I mean, he, he uh, moved into his first race. His first win in a super late model was at the age of 13. Um, And he progressed, you know, that I feel the super late model helped him a lot to get to where he's at now. And um, I'm glad we did that. I mean, actually he won the bandolero for the truck championship. And uh, that was a year that we went to the snowball derby. We were just at the, no, it was the Bandolero. I think championship. And the next, like a month later, we're pushing the super late model down pit road to go qualify for the Snowball Derby. And he had just, you know, he's just turned 14. And I'm thinking, you know, what's going on here? You know, what are we doing? And he made the race, you know, on time. And uh, it was, I don't know. You probably remember. Him. He was, he was really a lot shorter than what he is now, even. So it was crazy, but. You know, racing all over the country in that super late model that did help a lot.
1: You know, it's funny because I go back to the pictures of that first snowball derby. And I think me and you were talking about it one time at the track. And I was like, gosh, you know, he was so young. I mean, he looked like, you know, like like somebody, you know, that would be out there, you know, to help the team, you know, push the car, you know, back and forth to tech, you know, and around the Uh track, you know, you didn't actually realize, you know, that he was actually – Going to go out there and race against you know the top you know the top short track drivers in the nation. Not only that, but then to qualify on time and not have to go to the LCQ, you know I mean that at the Derby that is like timing. Mean, that's the I mean the the tension that you feel you know on a qualifying day is amazing. And he handled it like a like a veteran. Uh
3: huh. That actually, you're funny you say that. That's actually the first time Derek met Noah. Gregson was out there. Noah thought he was dressed up for in a race suit for a kid, you know, just walking around <laughs> the pit. And then he saw him get out of the car after qualifying, and he beat Noah and made the race on time. And Noah walked up to him and he looked at him, and I can't say what he said, but he he could not believe it, you know. But, yeah.
1: Now, now coming from a father's Point of you know perspective, you know I've I've seen a lot of fathers you know who you know who you know go to the track with their you know with their sons or daughters, and you know it's it's amazing you know to see how calm and cool you are you know you know during the race you know I mean you know I'll be be doing photos and I'll see you know up on different stands you know going around you know looking at the different perspectives from the track and you always have the same demeanor you know what but what I notice more is that no matter where Derek finished, you know what, you were never one of the fathers, you know, that just went over there and just hammered him. I mean, I've seen it throughout the years, and, you know, and it's sad You know, when you see the fathers, you know, when the kids come back crying, you know, because, you know, their fathers, you know, just really, you know, were upset, you know, because they didn't, you know, finish in the top five, or they didn't win the race, you know, or they should have done a lot better. But I noticed that that Derek, you know, he really respected you for that, because, you know, you guys were always there talking, you know, and I'm sure you shared you know a lot of um you know tips and stuff with him you know during during those times
3: uh-huh there's I can't say that I haven't but I I mean there's been times I've been on him a little bit but I I only will get on him when I feel that he can do better than what he's doing or he's doing a mistake that I feel he can do better I I will say something to him but I'm not going to sit there and yell at him or you know something like that you know because I'm not like living through him. He, you know, this is his own deal, and uh you know he knows what he has to do to move forward, and you know he's that's what he's gonna do. You know, if he wants to do this.
1: So, so how hard is it as a father, you know, to put all your trust, you know, and you know, and in what you know, Bill's you know race program, you know, you know, as far as you know, the spotter you know, the crew chief, you know, and, of you know, um, you know, of course while the cars get built in the shop, when it comes to actual race day, you know, you see a lot of fathers that are on the headset, you know, and they're talking to their kids, you know, while the, while the race is going on, you know, and, and, you know, that's a time for, you know, the spotter and the crew chief, you know, you know, to help them, you know, get her, you know, you know, to make whatever they have to do on the track and how hard is it to, to put, you know, to just sit back, you know, really put your trust, you know, and, you know, two guys, you know, that, you know, that they're going to keep, not only keep them safe, you know, but they're going to, you know, they helped him you know, to get the wins. They helped him to get the championship. Yeah. I
3: guess, I guess it it was hard. The first day, the first time he raced with Bill was at New Smyrna when he was 15 years old. And that was the first time um, I walked away from the team and left Derek there and wasn't working on his stuff, knowing that, you know, this was tight or this was safe knowing that I'm putting them in someone else's hands. But I mean, that was really hard, but I, uh, I did it and you know, there's times I have to spot for Derek yet because Bill or, you know, those guys don't have a spotter and I don't have a problem with it. You know, I, I don't mind doing it, but sometimes it's not good to dad being on the radio stuff like that. I don't get on the radio and, you know say things or you know I'll give him pointers and stuff on the radio if I'm not spotting or something or he'll ask me something what do you think of that but as far as that you know letting him there with someone else you know Bill at BMR has got a heck of a team there you know I was out to the shop before it all started when we tested and I knew right away you know that was all good stuff and I really did not not have to worry about the safety part of it.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. I mean, you guys, that, the the camaraderie that you have with your son, you know, and you know, and, and, and watching, you know, on on the you know race weekends is really just super amazing. And with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to Sharon. Sure.
0: Okay, Mark. Um, you know, I have a similar story. When I was out at uh, uh, Iowa Speedway, uh, and I was walking out back to the garage, and uh, some Couple stopped me and they said, "Who, who are these guys that are getting on the track now, and what what series is this?" And I was explaining that it was the Canon Pro Series and everything. And they said, "Are do, are these kids that are racing? Because who is that guy out there?" And they're pointing to Derek as he was getting ready to get into his car. And I said, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's Derek Cross. He's he's one of the really good drivers in this series." And uh, they said he looks like he's seven, or <laughs> he looks like he's really yeah. young. Uh, you know how old is he? <laughs> he's not old enough to drive a car. They 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 uh-huh. were astounded. They couldn't believe how young he was, or how young he looked. He was uh, obviously a lot older, um, and that he was going to get inside the car <laughs> and race it. Uh, so I hope I hope he encouraged him to become fans of the canon pro series because i think they put on yeah. some really good shows um uh, but i wanted to um ask you about your highlights from the three years that you've been watching um uh Derek race in the canon pro series uh talk about the your highlights throughout those three years
3: i guess the first year when he was racing with todd and chris eggleston you know and they finished one, two, three in the points, and Derek won the last race at uh, Kern, and Todd won the championship when Derek won that first, that was his first career win, I guess that has to be a pretty highlight. The spring of the year, he got second there, and then the last race of the year, he won that race, and then uh, he's, you know, at Kern, you know, he's dominated there i don't know what it is about that place really when he tested for bill and uh that was a highlight and then gateway when he won the east and west race last year when a uh, spark plug went bad or something and then he uh went to the rear and the crew john and those guys kept him calm and he went to the back and drove to the front that was a highlight and i guess i mean there's Quite a few. I mean, even this year at uh, Gateway, when we didn't have a very good car, they worked on it, worked on it, and he actually. Um, or that was Iowa. He got spun there by Max. The Loughlin got loose underneath him, and then he uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: backed it in the wall. But then, and still ended up in the top five in that race. You know, stuff like that. When he was younger, he would have probably been down and gave up. And right now, he he just he just never gives up because he never know. You know, and that's one good thing you know I like about what he's doing in the race car
0: okay and now you know he's had a couple races uh, with Kyle Bush Motorsports that's one of the best teams uh, in the truck series uh, how does that feel as a dad and, and watching Derek uh, get those kind of opportunities
3: Actually, actually the truck is actually BMR's truck Bill owns that truck
0: Oh, that's um, right. BMR was, is, that's you're right.
3: Yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but the the, the chassis are from KBM, but uh, yeah, last year Phoenix was his first truck race, and um, he did well in that, and then it, it's fun, you know, watching him, you know, hopefully he gets the opportunity next year to run the full truck series, and, uh, you know, we'll see what we can do, And um, but it's, you know, it's a great opportunity. You know, it's a dream come true to do what he's doing. And um, for him to do this with still going to school is, you know, it's great.
0: Yes, indeed. I'm uh, I, i I'm always amazed that these guys can go to school uh, all week and then still be able to take time out and, and focus on their racing over the weekend. Uh, it takes uh, some special time management to be able to do that.
3: Yeah, I mean, he don't – he's. He don't go all week. He's, he's been missing here lately these past – this has been a busy stretch here. It's going to be busy here yet the next few weeks here. With uh, We're going to Homestead next weekend, run the truck, and then uh, he is – then the banquet's the weekend after that, and then the Snowball Derby test, and then the Snowball Derby race. So we'll be busy here the next four weekends, but uh, school helps him a lot with giving him his work ahead of time and gets as much done as possible. They've been really good with them.
0: Yeah, but that takes a certain discipline uh, to be able to do that and still do well at school and as well as on the racetrack. So I really admire uh, a lot of these kids that are able to do that. But Derek uh, seems to be doing quite well at that.
3: Yeah, thanks. He uh, he has to if, they, if he wants to get excused absence to keep going, you know, and sure it takes some extra time when he has time to, you know, work a little harder to keep his grades up so he gets excused.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, uh Mark, it's been great having you on the show and kind of sharing some of your perspective about Derek's career and and this season and, and your highlights and and all of your thoughts about uh all of our questions. So we really appreciate you taking the time to do that and and uh, I really uh, hope you guys uh, wish you guys all the best uh, in the upcoming season and at the Snowball Derby.
3: Yeah, appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me on. Sorry, Derek couldn't be on, but he's actually on the plane right now. Otherwise, he would have. I know he had a he had a few other interviews that he couldn't do also. So, but it's great that you guys have him on throughout the year. It's a great show. We always listen, and uh, thanks again.
0: Oh well thank you so much. We appreciate that. And Sal's texting me. He says he's got another question for you. So uh sure. Sal? <laughs> hey
1: Mark, is, is there ever a chance that maybe we might see both you and Derek on the track? I I I, I know back at at your hometown you you guys try to race together, but maybe I'd like to maybe get two cars out of the snowball derby. <laughs> yeah. No, I
3: I it would be fun. We were supposed to race against each other this year uh, at State Park Speedway in Wausau, Wisconsin. That's, the Wimmers own that track and the race got rained out. Um, I've never raced against them. I guess I've always wanted to and I still say that I'm going to, but as far as running against him at the Snowball Derby, I can tell you that probably will not happen. It would be great to go <laughs> do it there, but uh, he would probably make the race and I don't know if I would, you know, but uh, I'd like to, yeah, for sure, hopefully next year we can find a date that he's off, and we have the people here at home that can help us get the cars together, and I mean uh, we have a couple cars that we could do it, and it would be great to do it. Might drive uh,
1: Lauren and Kathy nuts, but otherwise it it would be fun. (laughs) We did out here at Irindale, like, I think four or five years ago, we had the the Gillilands, David, Butch, and Todd All raced a super late in a in one race. It was yeah, it was it was really neat. Todd was, I think Todd was like thirteen, fourteen years old, and actually, Uh Todd Todd ended up beating David. David crashed. um, Butch and Butch and Todd ended up finishing. I think Todd finished third, and Butch was like somewhere in the top ten. Really? Um, Oh, that is yeah. uh, Yeah, it was it was it was pretty neat. You know, they went and promoted. They did a heck of a job promoting the you know the 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 three Gillilands. and um. But yeah, Butch came out of retirement and they set him up with three superlates. and uh, and uh, yeah, Todd was like, gosh, 13, 13 years old, I think thirteen fourteen years old, just barely coming really? up, and um, it was neat. It was a neat neat thing to see. You know, and I really hope you know that you and Derek you know can get that same chance. You know, do the same thing. But either way, Mark, I, I want to thank you, too, for coming on the show. You know what? And we'll see you on in a few weeks at the Snowball Derby. All right. Sounds good, Sal. You do a good job at your photos, and thanks for having me. Thanks. Hello?
3: Okay, Sharon. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Yep, you're welcome. Bye.
0: Okay. Good night. All, good night. All right. That was um, Mark Krause. Uh, he is uh, the father of Derek Krause, the Canon Pro Series West champion. 2019 with Bill McAnally Racing, and uh, that was a really great interview. I enjoyed chatting with him, uh, but Sal, we really do have to kind of move on here. We've got the Xfinity Series race uh, here to uh, also go over uh, for our review tonight, and uh, with that, uh, Justin Allgauer won the 21st annual Desert Diamond Casino, West Valley 200. It was his 11th victory in 305 Xfinity starts. Uh, it was his first victory in 24th top 10 this season. That's a lot of top 10s. It was his second victory and 12th top 10 finish in 19 races at ISM Raceway. Cole Custer was second. It was his fifth top 10 finish in six races at Phoenix. It was his 23rd top 10 this season Now Tyler Reddick was third He posting his fourth top ten finish In five races at ISM Raceway uh, To finish out the rest of the uh, uh, point, uh, Finishes here John Hunter Nemechek finished fourth He was the highest finishing rookie Zane Smith finished fifth uh, The next five are Austin Sindrick, Justin Haley Chase Briscoe, Michael Annette And Noah Gregson uh, were the top ten drivers there? So, uh, some really great finishes there by a lot of different teams.
1: Yes, it was. It was uh, a. <clears throat> it was a. It was a runaway <laughs> until and then. When the <laughs> last pit stop came, then Chris Bell, the run, the guy that was running away from everything, he got the he got a pit road speed penalty, leaving pit road, and they mm-hmm. put him in the back, and and then that's when the whole race just. Opened up and you know, and, it, and then it became a race.
0: Yeah, uh, Justin just, Algauer uh, took advantage of that opportunity <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah, and you you had to feel bad for Chase Briscoe because he was really, I know, he was he was just really right there, you know, and um, uh, you know what, and uh, I really had didn't high have enough hopes,
0: uh, for Chase Briscoe. Yeah. I thought he was going to do it there for a while, <laughs> that he was going to race his way in. Um, but it was Justin Allgaier winning in, and I was happy for Justin too. So don't I don't want to take away from that. Uh, but oh, yeah. uh, I really thought I really thought Chase Briscoe was going to do it. Justin Allgaier, of course, is an Illinois guy, so of course I'm happy for Justin Allgaier to make it as well.
1: You know, and I, I think another three or four laps and Cole Custer would have caught him. Cole was. Yeah, I think
0: so. He
1: was. <laughs> He was there, and um, you know what? I think he needed two two or three more laps, and Cole would have caught him. But, you know, congratulations to Justin Algar, you know, for getting the win, you know what, and, um, you know, and, and advancing yes, you know, indeed. to the, uh, you know, into the – into the um, Final
0: uh, four.
1: The final four, yeah.
0: Okay, there were four caution flags for 23 laps, nine cha- lead changes among six <laughs> drivers, and uh, – you know, it was an exciting race, and uh, I was watching those points throughout the uh, the race, and like you say, it opened up all of a sudden uh, when uh, when that speeding penalty took place for uh, the number 20 car. He won the first two stages, so it looked like he was going to run away with it, like you said. Uh, but let's go over the points, Sal.
1: Okay, on the points, uh, points we're looking at. Um Justin Algayer is uh is uh in first, second is Christopher Bell, third is Tyler Reddick and fourth is Cole Custer. The four of those are of course we know they're gonna advance to uh as the four drivers that are gonna be racing for the championship at um at Homestead, Miami. Um gosh, it's you got a, some good good drivers in there then. And then going going yeah. back down from there then we got then we have um Austin Cedric, Chase Briscoe, John Hunter Nemechek, Michael Annette, Noah Gregson, ninth in points, and Brandon Jones rounds out the top ten. But um I know you have something to say about the top four, so go go ahead and let her rip.
0: No, I was just gonna say it's so tough to say. Uh, who who is going to be the one to take the championship at Homestead, Miami? Uh, I was curious to know your thoughts there.
1: You know, I Cole last year was the strongest driver between him and Bell last year at, at Homestead. Of course, we know mm-hmm. that the pit when they pitted, you know, he waited too long to pit, and when he didn't pit with the rest of the the top drivers, when he didn't pit with when Christopher Bell, Christopher Bell pitted, that's basically when he lost the race. I think this Absolutely. year that Cole, I think that Stewart Haas Racing is gonna they're gonna be watching the pit sequence, and I I think you're gonna see the four of them all pit together. I don't think one one's gonna pit separate from them. They might try to do a different pit strategy, but I think if that pit strategy, whoever's the first one in, I think you're gonna see all four of them all pit together. You know, just. You know, because you know what happened last year, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, Bell is just, gosh, he's just been wicked fast. Those totals have been fast all season. Is you know, um, he's going to be he's going to be really tough to beat. Cole's really going to have to be on his game, and he's really just going to have to, you know, I mean, as much as you hate to say, it, but he's he's going to have to be really aggressive. You know, when he when he gets next to Bell, you know, and, and, you know, not be afraid, you know, to move him a little bit because I think that's going to be the only way to get around him.
0: So that's going to, you think it's going to be between those two drivers, Bell and Cole, who comes out on top, Sal?
1: I, you know what, like I said, it, it, if if they both play their piss strategy the same, I have a feeling that Cole's going to come out on top. He was just, he was fast yeah. last year, and I'm I know hoping- that Stewart Haas racing. Yeah, I know Stewart Haas has a. They have a really good package for Homestead, Miami, and I just, I just think that. Uh, I got a feeling that this is that this is Cole's year, you know. Before, you know, nobody knows what he's doing next season. He hasn't made any announcement yet, but I think this is Cole's year.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And and I I'm I'm calling Cole Custer to be on top, at Homestead, Miami, and walking away with that championship. And uh, I've seen him grow over the years as well, and I really think, uh, like you said, I think he's learning from his mistakes, and and that's not good news for the competition. And I think uh, we are going to see a real battle when it comes down to Homestead, Miami. But I think Cole's going to be the one on top when it's all said and done. Okay, we're at the uh, bottom of the hour now, and coming up shortly we will have – uh, with us, Dylan Lupton, who is racing with DGR Crossley for these uh, this final race at Homestead Miami Speedway. But he was also at the track at ISM Raceway, a track that he's raced at uh, several times with the Canon Pro Series. Uh, he came home with a 16th place finish in the trucks, uh, Sal, uh, not, not too shabby for only having six races this season
1: oh no it wasn't too bad it was it was a really good finish for him and actually dylan was just up at kern county raceway uh two weeks ago when they had the uh when they had the canon west in the srl series raced dylan was in a, mm-hmm. in a srl tour car that weekend too so he's he's got he's getting a lot of uh seat time and and uh you know he's going to be tough i mean you know i i really hope he can get a find a full ride for next season because he's he's one of the drivers you know that that is really, you know, put his he's paid his dues.
0: I I couldn't agree more with you. Uh I think uh, Dylan Lupton is, is a great driver and uh if he's in good equipment he's gonna bring great, good results. And uh I hope he does get a full time ride in the truck series next season, uh if not the Xfinity series because I think I think he would be uh, uh, a really good driver to watch, especially under this format <clears throat> with the stage racing and and everything that's going on. So uh, he's not here yet, so I'm hoping he didn't forget about us. Or <laughs> I don't think he would have forgot, but something could have come up. Uh, so I'm hoping that. Uh, uh, he'll still tune in here So that we can chat with him a little bit Here uh, About those six races that he had with DGR Crossley this season um, And uh, Sal if you want To talk maybe about what he's doing In the SRL did he race full time In the SRL
1: No he he just he, he had a few He had a few starts you know They're, they're usually when they're we you know when they're close to home Like Bakersfield you know because He's kind of from that area right there and, uh and he raced the um the winter showdown last year and I imagine he's probably going to hit the twenty five thousand dollar to win all star showdown at that we're having at Urindale. because i know he he loves that track because when dylan um when he uh cut his teeth he was racing late models He he was racing there at Urindale for for tim Buddleston you know and one of tim buddleston's cars so uh, you know, I, I, I know Erndell is one of his favorite tracks and, uh, I'm sure he'll, he's going to make a, I'm sure he's going to be there, you know, try and grab that, that, uh, um, that a win, you know, so, um, very nice. I mean, you've, you've met him before too, haven't you shared?
0: Oh yeah. I've met him several times. Uh, I see him, Yeah. he races at Iowa speedway and I've seen him there. I've seen him at Chicagoland speedway. Um, and uh, you know Dylan is is a really nice guy, and uh, I, I really want to see good things happen for him because, like I say, I think if given the right opportunity, uh, we could really see some great racing from him, um, and and some great finishes as well. So uh, I thought the 16th place finish was a good finish for him. I know he's had better finishes this season uh in that canon in that uh truck series with d g r crossley uh in his six races he's had one top five and three top tens this season so um uh he's really taken advantage of the opportunities that he's had with them uh with with the limited amount of time he's had in the seat
1: yeah you know he, he's and actually d g r crossley they're they're really making a name for themselves you know when you know
0: yes they are for
1: the you know for the couple years you know they've been with uh you know that david you know got away from uh from um you know bmr you know um you know when you know todd moved on and you know and david you know ran a super late model program you know that is of course his canon E series program with tyler akram who got rookie of the year and also won a championship and then now with the trucks you know they're they're he's, he's really, David has really put a a strong team together, you know, and having Dylan part of it, you know, it's kind of neat, you know, because David was a West coast guy out here and he, David grew up not far from Erndale Speedway, you know, probably 30 minutes, you know, from
0: Erndale Speedway. Yes. And, uh, that's been really fantastic, uh, to see him, uh do as well as he's done with DGR Crossley it's been a, it's been a really it's a young team that's had a lot of success very quickly so uh like i say he's had uh a limited time this season because he's tried different drivers in that truck but uh i i think he's made the most of those opportunities and uh i can't wait to see what he does out at Homestead Miami uh 1.5 mile track Cause we
1: know yeah it's, it's gonna be yeah it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be neat. I'm trying to see if i if I send him a text, let me see,
0: yeah, 'cause i'm <laughs> I just uh, sent him an, an email, but yeah, if you can send him a text, that would be great, uh and kind of remind him about being on the show and uh, the number to call in. Um, he, uh Dylan has always been one of our favorites and always willing to come on the show when we've had the show uh, available for him. And, um, uh, it, you know, he's one of the guys that I always look forward to catching up with with what he's doing. He, I know he's uh, been going to school as well to get a business degree.
1: Oh, he has. Yeah, you know, we I've really talked to him about. Yeah, he's going to. Man, that's that's a full plate. You know, we were just talking about that. You know, (laughs) earlier. You know, you know. I mean, there's no way. I'm ever going back to school.
0: (laughs) Well, these guys, uh, like I say, they're experts at time management, and uh, I think being able to go to school and get a degree. Well, pursuing a career in racing has been fantastic uh, as well. And I always like it when these guys get an education to go along with their racing careers because I think it, it really enhances their success. And uh, he's doing what I advise anybody who's thinking about going to college, and that is to get it. If it's not your major, it should be your minor uh, uh, degree in business because business is just part of life anymore. And the more you know about how business works, uh, the more success I think you'll be able to find.
1: Yeah. So uh, Actually, Sharon, uh, Dil- Dylan just called. He's going to call you right now.
0: Oh, okay. Awesome.
1: Uh, I, I was. I'm sorry. I was off the air while you were talking.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just talking about going to school and how – Uh, I really think that's a great thing to do. And speaking of uh, calling right now, we uh, are thankful to have uh, Dylan Lupton on the show with us tonight. He's raced six races this season with DGR Crossley, and he'll have his last race of the season at Homestead, Miami, this weekend. But he was also in the car for DGR Crossley, the number five car, uh, this weekend at ISM Raceway. Welcome to the show, Dylan.
4: Oh, thanks for having me on tonight.
0: Yes, I said car, but it was a truck you were driving this weekend at d d r crossley uh you You had six opportunities this season uh Dylan, and I think you've made the most of those opportunities uh Tell us about your thoughts of going into homestead Miami this weekend you're You're usually pretty good on those one point five mile tracks.
4: Yeah, the season's been great so far, especially on mile-and-a-half tracks. Uh, We've struggled a little bit on these short tracks uh, like Phoenix, but I'm looking forward to getting back to a a mile-and-a-half where we have, you know, one top five and three top tens and finishing the season off uh, with a, a good finish.
0: Yes, indeed, and and uh, you know, Sal and I were saying uh, it might be too soon for you to tell for you to tell us what your plans are for next season, uh, but we're hoping that you're going to get a full time ride in the truck series.
4: Yeah, I hope so. Exactly. You know, we have these good good finishes. I just I just hope that uh, we can come up with the funding. Uh, that's really what uh, makes um, you know these these opportunities possible. Uh, so we're working hard to get the sponsorship dollars, um, and hopefully we could have something to announce and, uh, shortly.
0: Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that for sure. Now, Dylan, I was also talking about the fact that uh, you've been going to college uh, to the university while you're not racing, and uh, I believe you're getting a, a a business degree. Is that right?
4: Uh, I actually uh graduated from UNC Charlotte in 2016. Uh but yeah, I got a finance degree uh back home okay. right now, working for the family construction business. Um and uh just racing uh, every every chance I get.
0: Okay. So, uh that, that's that's got to be helpful in looking for sponsorship.
4: Yeah, you know, there are some opportunities that arise from it, uh, B2B opportunities. Um, so hopefully we'll keep knocking on these doors, and uh something will uh, uh, come to fruition.
0: Okay. Well, uh, Sal is here, and I know he's looking forward to uh, catching up with you as well, Dylan. So I'm going to pass the uh, mic over to Sal now. Hey,
1: what's up, Dylan? Hey, thanks Thanks for uh, coming on the show. I mean, Man, I think last time you were on, I was I was out on vacation or something, so I got, I really didn't get a chance to, uh, to you know to chat with you, even though I chat with you at the track. But you know what, Dylan? How how did you get involved with with DGR Crosley? Um, well, it,
4: it was really uh, through Chris Knight, who handles all my PR and um, a lot of our uh, business through the sport. Um, he he's friends with uh, the Gillan family and knows everyone at DGR Crosley, um, so we just kind of started talking back in 2018, I want to say, about a uh, few opportunities, um, but just uh, seemed like it was the wrong timing. Um, but then uh, earlier this year, we we're able to uh, revisit. Uh, with the dgr team, and we are able to uh secure a six race deal and uh it's been a great uh run so far
1: you know it, it's it's kind of neat you know you know to couple you know with david because especially you know you know him being a you know west coast driver himself, even though you know now they you know they moved back to uh north carolina but what david you know david grew up at racing at renddale which is which is where you grew up racing too wasn't Inda
4: yeah, it is it is cool being with a with a team that the owners from the West Coast, California, and yeah, both of our both of us have got our teeth at a Irwindale Speedway. So it is uh cool coming from similar backgrounds and being able to bring that West Coast style to uh NASCAR.
1: So out of everything you've driven, you know, between you know Xfinity and trucks, you know, and you know, the Super late the S R L series that you're at, just a current A few weeks ago you know and everything else that you drive which which uh which car would you say is your is your favorite
4: um you know i'd probably say the xfinity car um the trucks are a lot of fun to race um when you're by yourself they could be you know honestly a little bit boring it's uh get spread out and a lot of times you're affected by air and it's you know hard to get a good run on somebody, but when you're tied together, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the Xfinity cars, it seems like they aren't as, you know, aero-dependent, um, so the racing could be a little bit better, even though I think uh, uh, you get a little bit spread out, so uh, so it's a, it's a tough, tough decision, but I'd probably say the Xfinity cars kind of suit my style a little bit more, um, but uh, the trucks are definitely a lot of fun.
1: You know, and actually, you know, you've been very fortunate, you know, throughout the years, you know, to, you know, to be able to drive, you know, different types of vehicles, you know, from the late models, you know, the Superlates, you know, truck, Xfinity. There ain't too many drivers, you know, that are, you know, that have come up, you know, that have had those opportunities. You know, it's either going straight from late model to, you know, to a truck or, you know, to Can-In. And actually, you you even went to the Can-In series. I think you and Derek Thorn were. Were teammates a year that Thorn won the championship?
4: Yeah, I was able to go run two years in the K and N, then went up to Xfinity from there. So I've been, yeah, I've been extremely blessed in all the opportunities that I've been given. Um, and I hope this isn't the end. You know, hopefully, we get to keep on going and building on those fun times.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of. I know it's. I know it's been a lot of years. You know that. You know that we've seen you out on the. You know, on the track, you know, me and Sharon, you know, we talk about that off the, you know, off the air too, you know, you know, the times that we've had you on, you know, from the different, you know, seeing the different, um, phase that you've gone through, you know, in, in your racing career, um, you know, and, you know, to see your dad, you know, down there, you know, how he, you know, how he supports, you know, he supports, you know, and makes as many races as he can.
4: Yeah, it's, like I said, I'm, I've been extremely blessed and, uh, it's been, it's been fun, um, yeah, the last ten years, I, you know, my life kind of revolved around stock car racing, and uh, you know, we're we're working hard to be able to continue that and uh, continue to grow in the sport and uh, win some races.
1: Uh, that's cool. And with that, Dylan, I going to turn it back over to Sharon. Sharon.
0: Okay, Dylan. You know, a lot of times we talk about the 1.5 mile tracks. And uh, I've never driven on a 1.5 mile track, but I've heard that they're even though they're cookie cutter, supposedly they're all different. They all have unique qualities about them. Tell us what makes uh, Homestead, Miami, unique.
4: Well, Homestead is actually uh, is actually one of the more fun uh, mile and a half. To be honest, um, you know the surface is really abrasive, uh, that and your tire fall off is. You know, quite a bit more than other tracks. Um, so, the tire wear, you know, through a run, you'll, will lead to you having to, you know, sorry, you, uh, getting up, rolling off the throttle earlier. Um, it'll just lead to better racing side by side. You'll be slipping, sliding around. Um, so that's a pretty fun track that you can move around. And at the end of the run, you'll be searching for more and more racetrack up top to be able to carry that speed. Um, so it's it's a really fun mile and a half to go to,
0: okay, and like you say, it kind of suits your driving style so so that's always good news as well and uh um are you are you doing any other racing South you've been racing the s r l races as well? a few of those
4: yeah, I've been uh, running a handful of s r l races this year just kind of to stay in the seat get seat time. Um, I'll be doing one more race this year uh, in Vegas the weekend after Homestead. So looking forward to that. And then I'm going to be probably going through my Super Late and fixing it all up to do all these big races next year as well.
0: Okay. So uh, any thoughts about racing the SIRL full-time next year along with the Truck Series, or is that even possible?
4: Uh, I don't think that's possible to do both full-time, but – you no, know, hopefully, I'll be I'll be doing as much racing as possible.
0: Okay, um, and and uh, uh, talk a little bit about your team this weekend. Who who's going to be on your pit box and who's going to be spotting for you?
4: Yeah, it's going to be the same crew. So I got Blake Bainbridge. Uh he's gonna be on the pit box calling all the shots. So he's done all my races so far this year. And then also I'll have Chris Mona's uh spotting and Chris has been my spotter um actually for the last handful of years. So uh, uh me and Chris have really good chemistry. We know all you know, each other's lingo and um should be uh solid weekend for us.
0: Okay, well I'm looking forward to uh, watching you back on the track again this weekend And uh, we're really hoping for the best for you for next season Uh, And thank you for being on the show We appreciate you calling in and and, uh, chatting with us, Dylan You're one of the guys, uh, Sal and I, we're talking about it We always look forward to catching up with you
4: I appreciate uh, you guys having me on the show
0: Okay, well, uh, you stay in touch, and and uh, before you go, any shout-outs you want to make before we let you go? Uh,
4: yeah, I want to do a shout-out to uh, Shreddy. Shreddy is a clothing company based out of Southern California, and they've come on board for the last two races uh, this year, and we're actually doing a fun giveaway at my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that's at Lupton Dillon, and then the Facebook's doing Lupton Racing. So everyone go over to those sites and uh, enter to win.
0: And that's really cool clothing, right?
4: Yep. Yep, it's definitely a West Coast style, uh, which is uh, fun to be uh, wearing at the track.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I saw that on Twitter today, and I retweeted it, uh, not to win, but to let people know that it was out there and to encourage people to take part. So, uh, Dylan, we appreciate all that you do, and uh, we hope we get a chance to talk to you again down the road here.
4: All right, yeah, I appreciate you guys Have a good night.
0: Okay, you too. All right, uh, Dylan Lupton racing with DGR Crossley at uh, ISM Raceway and again this weekend at Homestead Miami. Uh, uh, That is a really cool sponsor that he's got. On his truck this week And last week
1: Yeah it is um, You know It's kind of a catchy name When you think
0: about it <laughs> <laughs> Yes indeed um, Shreddy Life <laughs> So uh, Yeah it, it uh, He is giving away Some things so if you're not following uh, Dylan Lupton yet You want to make sure you follow him uh, because he has giving away some cool stuff uh, Through his uh, sponsor this week So, Sal, with that It's time for us to move on to the Cup Series uh, Another big race uh, from this weekend Another elimination race Denny Hamlin came home the winner Of the 32nd Annual Blue-Green Vacations 500 His 37th victory in 505 Cup Series races his sixth victory and uh, 23rd top 10 finish this season, his second victory and 17th top 10 finish in 29 races at Phoenix. Kyle Bush finished second, posting his 21st top 10 finish in 29 races at Phoenix, and it is his 26th top 10 finish this year. Ryan Blaney is third. It was his fourth top ten finish in eight races at ISM Raceway. And Daniel Hemrick was the highest finishing rookie, finishing 21st this weekend. Uh, to kind of finish up uh, the rest of the uh, finish order here, I have to scroll up, so give me a minute. Uh, Kyle Busch finished fourth. Oops, that's the points report. <laughs> Let me go a little bit higher up here. Um it was Kyle Larson who finished fourth. Uh Kevin Harvick came home in fifth place, rounding out the next five are Martin Truex Junior, Eric Jones, Clint Boyer, Joey Logano, and Brad Keslowski rounding out the top ten finishers. Uh there were six pla there are actually uh seven playoff players in the top ten.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a heck of a race, I'll tell you, to to be in a must win situation and uh yes. you know, have to fight off all those drivers, you know, who are just you know, who just everybody wants to win, you know, and and uh, you know, to fight them all off, you know, and grab the win and knock Joey Logano out of the out of the playoff hunt, you know. When they interviewed Joey after the race, and Joey looked like he wanted to cry.
0: Yeah, it was it's it's always it's not easy. Uh, No, no, I can
1: imagine
0: Fall in these things And uh, I I I think Joey You know, had some rough Starts, I think, in the playoffs He had a couple of races He had that one race, the race didn't even start And his axle broke Uh, So he's had a couple of incidents uh, And used up quite a few Mulligans early in the playoffs That kind of put him behind uh, From the get-go So Uh, The defending champion uh, will not be able to uh, fight for his title this season, Uh, but I don't think we've seen the end of uh, Joey Logano. I think he'll be back next season and uh, contending once again. Uh, Number 11, Denny Hamlin won the first stage. The 22 car of Austin, uh, not Austin Sendrick, but uh, (laughs) the 22 car is driven by Joy Logano. Joy Logano, that's right. Joy Logano won the uh, second stage, and uh, of course it was Denny Hamlin winning that third stage. There were five caution laps for tw- 32 laps, eight lead changes among five drivers, and uh, let's talk about the points report. So,
1: well, the top four in points is Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex. And Kyle Busch were the, are the four drivers that will be fighting for the for the championship this year. And right below that was the driver we were talking about, Joey Logano, who was pushed out by Danny Hamlin's win. Had Hamlin not won, then Logano would have been in there. And yep. then below Logano, you got you got Kyle Larson uh, finishing seventh. Is in seventh place right now is Ryan Blaney. Eighth is Brad Keselowski, and William Byron. Uh, Ninth and Clint Moyer rounds out the top ten
0: Okay I got I, I got to give a lot of Kudos to Ryan Blaney too He had a really good finish uh, it, he, he almost If he I think if the race had gone a little bit longer Ryan Blaney was uh, Giving it everything he possibly could uh, To try to get up there and, and finish up in the first place He ended up with a third place finish uh, Which was really good But if you think about it he really was not even in uh, the top four coming into this round, and he raced his way. Let's see. Let me look at this real quick. Uh, he was ranked in in the round of 12. He was actually below the cutoff line in um, – behind Alex Bowman in the bottom four drivers, then going into the round of eight. He was the bottom driver coming into the round of eight, and he raced his way up to be, uh, you know, to to have a chance at possibly getting a victory uh, and maybe even making it into the playoffs. Uh, But it was a little bit too little too late uh, for Ryan Blaney, but I know he gave it a valiant try.
1: Yeah, you know, and you you know you gotta you know go back and you know look you know at uh you know everything that transpired you know into you know to the into this top four and um you know shoot they're even saying you know that that you know it's like Kyle Busch was struggling you know throughout the playoffs you know and uh you know and uh you know he nabbed that second place finish you know yesterday you know you kind of wonder if that's gonna be any momentum you know going into Homestead you know, if he's going to continue, you know, whatever's going on, you know, whether they're, you know, it, it's just crazy. I mean, the only one that really had the liberty of experimenting was Martin Truex Jr. Because he got, he got to win a couple of races and go. So, you know, they're able to, you know, experiment a little bit, you know, with setups and, you know, how they're going to, you know, um, handle things.
0: Yes. But, uh, uh again he he did have a good run yesterday and uh, they're going to a 1.5 mile track uh i know he's not a fan of this package and uh i'm i'm really worried a little bit worried about kyle bush uh but i do think he's going to give it everything he can give it when they get to homestead miami uh all of these drivers uh, Denny Hamlin is the only driver that would not be going for a second championship. Uh, the other three drivers are all going for their second championship. Denny Hamlin, it would be his first championship if he wins. Who's your favorite here? So, you
1: know, this, this, is a, this is another tough one. Um, you know, I mean, odds wise, you almost have to go up Martin Truex Jr. because he seems like he's a, he's the you know he's the one you know been the most consistent during the cha- during the playoffs and um you know he's you know he's running strong but I mean when you're talking about a race like this you know you got you know you got I mean Hamlin showed a lot by winning that race on Sunday you know you you can't you can't you can't deny him or say you know that he's not one of the favorites I mean. This is a toss up. I mean Kevin Harvick everybody knows that <laughs> you know, Harvick Harvick loves a mile and a half tracks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and between Harvick, Truex, and Bush, you know, they've all won a championship at Homestead. The only one that hasn't won a championship is Danny Hamlin. So could Danny Hamlin be the Joy Logano of you know two thousand nineteen that Joey Logano was of two thousand eighteen, you know, be the you know, almost you almost have to say be the spoiler.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I have to agree, though. I think Martin Truex Jr. Uh, for me has the edge. He's he, he's one of the drivers that I feel has really been strong uh, the last few years, and uh, he's got the seven victories on the season. He's won throughout the playoffs, um, and I think you know he's he's shown the most consistency not just for the season but for the playoffs as well. Uh, Denny Hamlin though on the other hand Has been peaking throughout the playoffs So he would be my second Choice but I think Martin Truex Has got the edge just having the Experience that he has there uh, And uh, He's so strong on the 1.5 mile Track so I have to say Martin Truex Junior
1: Yeah, uh, are you, you going know, to be at
0: a race You Go know ahead.
1: Kevin Harvick is uh, Kind of like uh <laughs> You don't have no teammates up there. You know it's all the JGR guys <laughs> against the one and only uh, Stewart Haas Racing drivers So, you know, let's see how they how they treat Kevin.
0: I don't think that's going oh, to no, stop, stop him. not going
1: to stop No, because Harvick's <laughs> yeah. not afraid to put a bumper to anybody.
0: Nope, and and I think it's going to be an interesting race without a doubt. So, are you going to be at a racetrack, Sal?
1: No, not this weekend.
0: Okay. Well, next Monday night, Sal, is our last show of the season. Uh, We don't have any more reviews uh, after uh, Homestead Miami, so uh, I'll look forward to chatting with you again next Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time here on Fan for Racing Radio.
1: All right. So everybody have a good evening, Uh, good, safe, safe weekend, and we'll talk to you next Monday.
0: Okay. Thanks, Sal. Take care. Okay. Good night. Okay, and with that, we are now at the top of the hour. We're actually one minute past the top of the hour. And uh, joining me for tonight's NASCAR Hot topic Sound Off is none other than Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
5: Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I was kind of happy you didn't bring me into that conversation there. I was just listening to you and Sal. And, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I think, uh, yet again, we got a great pack of four. <laughs> To run for this championship at NASCAR's top level in the Monster Energy Cup.
0: Yes, indeed, and in fact, on our Thursday night, th- 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 this Thursday is going to be our last show to preview uh, at Homestead Miami. And with the uh, news and notes that are coming out already, I think we'll probably focus on the four drivers that are going to be competing for the championship in those races during our preview show on Thursday night.
5: Well, I know it's not necessarily fair, but it, just as it is through every round of the playoffs, uh, the ones that move on in the playoffs and then obviously move into the championship four, I mean, that's where the focus is at. you know. It, and it's no different than any other sport. You don't talk about a team that got knocked out in the first round when you're playing the championship game. All
0: right. So you and I – what I'm getting at, uh, Jay, is that you and I – We'll definitely be pinning it down on Thursday night.
5: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, that gives me a few days to at least think about it. I mean, there's some solid arguments um, on on every side of it. You know, like I said, I was listening to the last couple minutes there with you and Sal. I've uh, been watching some stuff throughout the day, looking at the history of the stats there at uh, Miami Homestead. So, uh, I, I, you, you know me. I'm a gambling man, and I, I don't think I would put any money on any one of them at this point. <laughs>
0: Well, and that is the truth. I think this has been one of the toughest playoffs uh, that we've seen uh, at competition-wise. And uh, it's showing up on the track with the intensity from all of these drivers. They all won it just as intensely as the next guy. And uh, it's been pretty tough. Um, but let's get into our NASCAR Hot topic sound off. Uh, I've got about uh, maybe five topics here. Uh, And I'm going to start off with Let me see here Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, Daniel Suarez Uh, There's some rumors floating around That he may not be back at SHR For next season And uh, we may indeed It may be Daniel Suarez That's looking for the next ride Uh, And that opens the door then For Cole Custer to take that 41 car Have you seen that? Well, I was going to say, because
5: I actually had five listed on my list as well, and I was going to see again, we have a tendency to think alike. Um, I had the one with Daniel Suarez kind of towards the bottom because I have found nothing concrete from Daniel Suarez or Stuart Haas racing. A lot of it was just speculation. Specu- right, it's speculation. And some of these that uh, I follow, I, I, mine came from Twitter. There are several of them that I follow that, generally they have some type of inside knowledge or have heard things that maybe I haven't. Um, so I put a little bit of faith in, but I found nothing concrete uh, to back that up. Uh, cause when I first saw it, I started looking cause I thought maybe I missed something throughout the day that he had been uh, let go or a decision had been made, but we have found, I have seen no. nothing official at all. So um, obviously that has been the talk. And I know that, go fast racing and said Cole Custer wasn't in their plans. So that maybe Cole Custer right. does move to the 41. Daniel Suarez moves over to that number 32 as part of the alliance with Stuart Haas racing. Again, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. It would depend on the amount of resources and uh, assistance that that team has given. I've we've seen, uh, relationships like that in the past work very well. So, um, Either one of those drivers going in there I'd like to see because I think they deserve a top-tier ride uh, with some great equipment and show what they're capable of, as I believe Daniel Suarez has this year. And I think Cole Custer has shown that he is ready to take that step. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what officially comes out of uh, either Stuart Haas Racing or Daniel Suarez or Go Fast Racing.
0: Yes, I agree with you because it wasn't that long ago that I think it was Tony Stewart who was saying that they were trying to work on the deal and close to completing a deal uh, for Daniel Suarez to to come back to that 41 car. So to have them say that, it's not unusual, it does happen, but to have them say that, you know, Within a couple weeks and then all of a sudden he's out Uh, The only thing that could maybe cause that would be if there's a sponsorship that uh, fell through Uh, But I find it hard to believe because Daniel's had some very strong sponsors that have supported him throughout his career That he kind of brings to the table uh, that kind of helps him in these situations But uh, you never know uh, what's happening behind the scenes and anything can happen and usually does so we'll have to kind of wait this one out but uh, I was thinking you know GoFast obviously having the alliance with Stuart Haas Racing uh, our first clue that the possibility that it could be Daniel was when go said that they were not talking to Cole Custer. Uh, about a week ago, uh, or earlier, we heard that they were not talking to Cole Custer. So to me, that opened the door for the possibility that they were talking to Daniel Suarez. So again, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Uh, there's nothing official here, and uh, we'll have to wait for the announcements to come out. And by the way, I think this is the law. Before the storm, because uh, I think this is going to be a real busy um, uh, news week uh, for NASCAR, and I've got a feeling we're still we've still got a lot of news coming out this week. So you and I may have more to talk about on Thursday night's show.
5: Well, we certainly do, and uh, the fact that there are still a couple of rides available that that haven't been announced, um, some unquestion or. Uh, unanswered questions. I know Matt Tift, uh, I saw an interview from him over the weekend. Again, he doesn't know when he's going to be able to come back to a car. There was talk that John Hunter Nemechek was now in talks um, with that mm-hmm. team of a possibility, and not necessarily for Matt Tiff's car, because they had said that if Matt Tift, or when Matt Tift comes back, that is his ride, but they also have that other open seat. But there again, if Daniel Suarez is still an option, they might be waiting to see how that plays out. Uh, you mentioned one of the things exactly. I know. One of the things you mentioned there was the, the sponsorship deal, and I know that originally it was that Eras was supposed to be coming back, and they have been a longtime supporter of Daniel Suarez, but that there was also a connecting story that they had gone through a management change for that company, and so there again, right. maybe that company is looking at whether or not NASCAR is where they want to be involved or to what level and, and such. Not again. There was nothing definite there. Just that. There was It wasn't signed yet, and by the way, they went through a management change, which then normally takes marketing and directing uh, t- tends to take a different uh, approach or they take a different look at it. So, you know, that might be tying exactly. into even if it's a delay with resigning with Stuart Haas. So.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's why I brought that up, because even though he's had the long-time sponsors, different things can happen and usually do um and and uh again i hate it for daniel i feel like daniel kind of gets tossed around every couple of years um uh if not every year and uh uh i think he deserves a little bit better than that as well he's really had some good races here lately and uh uh he's got nothing to hang his head about if it is uh that he's going to be uh With a different team for next season I think he's a great driver And uh, I think we'll see some Really good things from him Uh, I feel bad for him If he is going Um to go fast or even front row. Uh, I I just uh, really want more for Daniel Suarez as well. But uh, I'm sure that he will make the most of whatever his opportunity is. He's just got that attitude about everything that he goes into, and uh, I'm sure he will make the most of every opportunity he gets.
5: Well, the one thing I look at with it, is specifically as it comes to uh, go fast racing, is somebody that – although they haven't won at NASCAR's top level. He is a champion in the Xfinity Series. Uh, He's been with some of the top-tier teams of that experience. So if their choice is between Cole Custer, who would be a rookie, and a driver like Daniel Suarez, I think that might be a deciding factor if they would kind of lean towards that veteran. So, And uh, by veteran, I mean he's been in what I believe four, three or
0: four years now.
5: So, again, Mm -hmm. it's not like a long-term veteran, but – obviously more than a rookie in Cole Custer coming up.
0: He'd have a lot more to offer. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, So, again, we'll just kind of have to wait and see because – Uh, you you just never know what's going to happen here. So uh, I agree with you, Jay. You and I tend to have the same things on our list. So uh, I'm curious to see what you want to bring up next. I know you said Daniel was at the bottom of your list. What's at the top?
5: Well, we kind of had this talk already last week. You guys had it on Monday when I wasn't able to be on the show and then kind of touched upon it on Thursday. Some action was taken this past week with Bubba Wallace. Uh, fine, fifty thousand yep. dollars as well as fifty points, due to the fact that he admitted he had done it. And
2: yes.
5: I kind of I understand NASCAR's point of well they've admitted it we got to do something. But on the other hand, to me it also
0: says go ahead and do it just don't tell us because we can't prove it. Well, and and Dale Jarrett pretty much said that he said just keep your mouth shut and don't tell the world. You don't have to tell the world everything that's on your mind. Um, So, yeah, uh, you know, as it was before he made the admission on camera, uh, it was just speculation uh, that Bubba Wallace was doing that. Of course, uh, Kyle Larson said you'd have to be, you know, Helen Keller could have seen. That Bubba Wallace uh, ma- made an intentional spin there He made the comment that they all do it Dale Junior's made the comment that he's even done it um, But, you know, the the key is You just don't go out and brag about it And, and Dale even said after he bragged about it <laughs> He got penalized NASCAR pulled him aside And he had to have a conversation with NASCAR And the same thing happened with Bubba Wallace um, leave it Let it be speculation uh, Here's the thing <laughs> They shouldn't be doing it number one And I'm sure NASCAR is going to have a very uh, Intense conversation With the drivers um, Before the Homestead Miami finale uh, That uh, It's it's not acceptable racing You You can't go out there and do that Stuff and If you do it You can't be going out there bragging about it on national TV (laughs) or with the media uh, when you know that it's going to be, if you tell the media, they're going to write about it. So, uh, you know, they had to do it, and I understand why they had to do it. Uh, I don't like that they're doing it. Let me make that clear. I don't like that they're intentionally spinning. Bubba Wallace said he did it for himself. He didn't do it for Kyle Larson. He didn't do it for anybody in particular. He he did it for himself and what he needed uh, for his seat in his car. So he's not the only driver that's done it, but I don't like that connotation uh, to the sport, if you will, uh, that drivers are are manipulating the finish of some of these races. So, your thoughts? Well, and I I think that was kind of Bubba Wallace's point in in
5: saying, okay, if if somebody needs to admit it, because he said, why not do it until NASCAR puts a stop to it? And this didn't, I don't know, even necessarily put a stop to it, but he was saying, hey, two drivers did it last week. Again, they didn't admit it, but everybody knows it. You know, it's been talked mm-hmm. about Clint, uh, Joey Logano and uh, Clint Boyer. Um, and I think he also threw Brad under there. He said he learned from Joey and Brad. So I think that was his point was that if NASCAR wasn't going to take action, why shouldn't they do it? I don't know that he was necessarily willing to sacrifice himself in the $50, and the $50,000 and 50 points by being admitting it and having them punish him. But he was trying to make the point that NASCAR needs to enforce it because if they don't, it's going to keep happening.
0: Well, and here's the thing. <laughs> be careful what you ask for because this is a very subjective thing for NASCAR to monitor and make judgments on. And sometimes they're going to like the judgment that NASCAR makes, but there's going to be times where it's going to be controversial and people aren't going to like the decision that NASCAR makes. And and you've got to remember that and respect that when it happens. Uh, you can't complain that NASCAR made a bad call uh, when you put them into that position. So I I think that they're pushing an issue that, uh, again, you've got to be careful what you ask for because you might not like the results. And I think that's what's going to happen in this case. NASCAR is not going to be 100% right all of the time on making judgment calls. And uh, if you're going to push them into that position, and let me just say this. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Most of the rules are there because of the minority, not because of the majority, the minority that are pushing it to that point. Um, and, And that's what's happening here. You've got some of these drivers that are manipulating the outcomes of the races. It's a bad stigma to the sport and why they would want to do that to this sport, I don't understand the logic and the thinking there. It's a selfish move, and I know drivers can be very, very selfish sometimes. But I, um, I really think that, uh, that they cannot complain if NASCAR starts making those judgment calls and if they are not 100% correct all of the time. I don't want to hear complaints from these drivers when that happens, because it's going to happen.
5: And the, and that's exactly what we talked about on Thursday, is there is no real good way to police it, uh, you know, and NASCAR knows that. They said, yeah, they have um, different ways that they can look at the telemetry and the, and the movement of the steering wheel, but it is not a definitive. They said, we're not the ones in the car. We don't know what happened that, you know, caused them to what appear, may have been, appear to be an intentional spin out and they don't want to be in that position. However, I, I kind of see Bubba's side of, well, if you're not going to punish it unless they outright admit it, they're going to keep doing it. So where, where do you draw mm-hmm. that line? And you're a hundred percent right. If, if they do get involved in it, there is going to be problems because it is then a judgment call and they got to try and do the best they can. But like you said, that that's not going to be a guarantee of a uh, black and white, you know, So it's not um, going to be
0: a perfect world.
5: (laughs) Yeah, it's a, it's a bad situation. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, like I said, I do think something needs to be done, but I, I wouldn't have the answer because I, like I said, I don't see where you can, it can determine intent, determine whether it was intentional or not. Um, unless, like I said, the driver outright says they did it. So.
0: Exactly. So again, we'll have to kind of see how this continues to play out, but, uh, um, uh I think he's really pushed a point here uh that it, people are not gonna like the consequences so we'll we'll see fifty thousand is a huge fine uh next on mine uh is actually a couple of topics here uh we We've seen a race at phoenix uh this week. Uh, Under this rules package, NASCAR is already saying that they're going to use this rule package next year Rather than creating a new rules package uh, next year and again the following year So they're going to kind of keep that from a cost perspective uh, They thought it was better just to keep this rules package However, there's been a lot of complaints about what the rule package How the rules package has been playing out On the short tracks And we know that Phoenix is listed As the season finale For next year that's going to determine Who the champion is going to be Uh, Do you see NASCAR kind of Maybe making some changes uh, With regard to short track The short track package For next season Maybe not the overall package But specifically the short track package
5: well, we're, through, we're three for three. That was actually number three on my list. So, uh, yeah, I think I think they got it. I, and I, I wouldn't again. I'm not one that very rarely do I say any race is a bad race or a boring race. Um, but I have heard some comments from people I know as well as uh, on social media. I know there was a lot of talk about it. Um, was it the most exciting side by side, side by side, door to door racing? No but you're not going to get that each and every race. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that that I argue argue with is you're not going to get that every single race, every single lap, no matter what track it is, no matter what package you have. So um, I'm more of a glass half full in a case like that, but there are some things that concern me again, the clean air, the driver that got out front with clean air, whether it be on two tires or not um, seems to have that advantage. And I think that's where NASCAR needs to focus is on the, front end aero package that kind of prevents that i know there's talk about the use of the pj 14 which they use this weekend and some different adjustments they might make to that the decision on what horsepower uh, engine package they will use for that race um, i think will come into play Uh, and you know and again nascar is aware of it they said they're looking at it and i think there will be some minor changes if you will or, or tweaks to different things But I do think, especially being that it'll be the championship-determining race, that they're going to need to do something to provide a little bit better uh, closer competition on track versus it just being whatever car gets out front.
0: Right. I've heard a lot about the tire wear, that they need to uh, create a tire that wears out a little bit faster so that uh, there's a tire management Uh, Component to what uh, these drivers are doing on the racetrack. (gasps) Excuse me, Um, but uh, it it is going to. I think NASCAR really needs to look at that for the short direct package. I think some of the other races we might be okay, and we can probably get through another year. But you are absolutely one hundred percent correct. We're not going to get side by side, door door by door side-by-side, door-to-door racing every single weekend. Uh, it, it's just not going to be like that. But you do expect that at a short track race, I think. And um, uh, that's, the short track package needs some work on it, and I think it, it would benefit them to maybe make some tweaks to that for the 2020 season. Uh, it, it's still – Gives them a cost savings as far as the rest of the season Uh, But for the short tracks uh, They might have to invest a little bit To uh, kind of change that package I think one of the easiest things they can do Is that front arrow package And the tire wear I think those are are probably uh, Two of the least costly Things that they might be able to look at And make some tweaks on Um, So Again, we'll have to wait and see if NASCAR does that. How likely do you think it is that they will do that, Jay?
5: I think I think they will do some things. The concern I have when you when you bring involve Goodyear and bringing a little bit softer tire is if you miss it and then you have a tire problem, uh, and and yeah. that, that's my concern there. I know that it does make for good racing, but we saw what happened at Indianapolis when they absolutely had the wrong <laughs> combination. Yeah, so. Um, That one's a little more tricky I, I would like to see it where yes that The tire wear is a little bit more uh, Influential in the race and, and that changes how they drive As well as then pick strategy and all But you got to be really careful on that one Because like I said if they miss it And especially it's one of those of If they soften it up even just a little And then tell teams hey don't go beyond this point Or it's our recommendation You know teams are going to with the camber With the uh air yeah. pressure and that's to create their own problems to it, not saying that it's Goodyear's fault, because they tried to get but a they softer tire that. to... Pro- right, but again, it's not a mandated thing, it's always a recommendation, because their rules for camber air pressure are not necessarily matching with what Goodyear recommends with the tire they brought. So that's where you get into Mm -hmm. that. And then, you know, we obviously don't want to see a a race that's determined by who didn't blow out a tire or who blew out the least tires or had the least damage because they hit the wall, you know. So that that was a real tricky slope with that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point uh, because we did see that a few years back when a lot of drivers were pushing that air pressure uh, limit and uh, having tire problems. And they did blame Goodyear for that, even though it was them kind of pushing the limit on what the recommended uh, level was. So you're right. I would not like to go back to that. Uh, And, again, I'm not recommending it for all tracks, but specifically for the short tracks. So you're right. There's a fine line there, and it is a little bit of a slippery slope. But uh, I do think that there are some tweaks that are needed there. Okay, Uh, what's your next top topic?
5: Well, and I've watched this uh, several times since yesterday. The question came up of whether or not Kyle Busch laid back and kind of let Denny Hamlin have that win, knowing that he was (laughs) enough ahead of Joey that he was going to get himself in, uh, whether or not not he did it as what was best for Joe Gibbs Racing. I'm going to let you go first on this one.
0: Oh, okay. I had Kyle Bush on my list, but uh, with a different topic. Uh, oh, I will okay. get into that, but before I do, I do want to do a little bit of a shout-out here uh, as we're coming up on the bottom of the hour. We do go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. When that happens, we continue recording the rest of the conversation, uh, and that part is available on our podcast And the podcast is available via all of the links that we already have posted on social media, as well as via the player that I have available at fanforracing.com. So if you've listened up to this point of the show, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, If um, you're listening on the Podcast. It's going to be pretty seamless. You'll be able to listen straight through and hear all of the conversation. But we do make the announcement uh, before we go off air because we don't want anybody to be caught off guard with the fact that we're going to go off the air, uh, thinking that uh, the show just stops at that point. Um, The the recording continues. And uh, you'll be able to hear the rest of the conversation on our podcast. I go out on Twitter when we're done and let everybody know that the podcast is available. And uh, at that point, uh, you know you can go ahead and hear the rest of the conversation by fast-forwarding to that two-hour mark. Okay, with that, Kyle Busch, your point is, did he lay back a little bit to let uh, Denny Hamlin win? at uh ISM Raceway knowing that he was already in the playoffs and uh Denny Hamlin was not and needed that win to get in. He also knew, I'm sure, I'm sure he knew how this was all playing out. Um he also knew that if Denny Hamlin did not win, that Joey Logano would be in. Um I this is one of those subjective things again. Uh, I don't think they had any conversation On the radio uh, I don't think there's anything out there That really supports that he laid back He says that he gave it Everything that he could He just could not get up to uh, Denny Hamlin And we know that he was not the only driver That could not get up to Denny Hamlin to pass him Because uh, Several drivers struggled to make that pass uh, For the lead And was not able to do it So um I think this is a tough call to make, and I don't think that uh, you can say one way or the other because there's nothing that supports it from my point of view. So, Jay, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Well,
5: you know, when I first watched it, um, I thought maybe. uh, At least once he got into second. But then having watched one of the replays immediately after, you know, he went to the bottom, ran all the way down to the very, 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 very bottom of the apron with uh, Ryan Blaney. And by the time he got up onto the track, had kind of lost his momentum. You know, and I really right. thought the four tires versus two uh, would have prevailed. But there again, we didn't see a whole lot of drop off. And he closed back up to him in those closing laps. I think maybe another couple laps, if he couldn't have caught him and passed him, or at least made an attempt, might have been more so questionable. but. Um, I also listened to, to I think, actually, first off, uh, immediately following victory lap when it got brought up with uh, A.J. Allmendinger. He said, you know, realistically, knowing how strong the competition's been as of late, Denny Hamlin has been a stronger competitor than Joey Logano, as was in this race. So he said if Kyle Mm -hmm. had really thought about it from that aspect, you would have think you would have not wanted Denny Hamlin. And again, the less teammates he has, (laughs) if he's a single car, you know, Stuart Haas is all behind Kevin Harvick. If you have three drivers or two, or even one from Joe Gibbs, you know you're going to get that much more support. So, I really don't think he did necessarily lay back and not and let him win. But I'm not sure he also gave a hundred percent. And the other reason I say that is looking back to uh, two years ago, I believe it was with Jimmy Johnson and Martin Truex. Jimmy knew that if he stayed where he was, he was in the end of the next round at the Roval. He went for that win, mm-hmm. took himself and Truex out, and he didn't make it in. You know, so there again, Kyle mm-hmm. also had to be thinking about himself. Hey, if I ride here, I'm in. You know, that's that's concern mm-hmm. number one. If I go up there and mix it up with Denny, we go two laps down, now Logano's in and possibly somebody else, and neither one of us right. make it. So, like I said, I wouldn't say he necessarily let Denny win. But I'm not going to say he gave 110% to make, get up there and pass him either. So, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 deal.
0: Okay, yeah. I, I would have to agree with a lot of what you said there. <clears throat> and and I, I really, after hearing his post-race comments, I, I really felt like um, it was a typical Kyle Busch interview, uh, especially of late. Uh, but I didn't feel like he I I feel like if he could have passed him he would have passed him. Kyle Bush is all about wins. So I uh, I again I think it's a subjective thing and uh a judgment call on whether he did or whether he didn't. And uh it probably depends on if you're a Kyle Bush fan or not on how you're gonna see it. So um but I, I think you brought up some excellent points. Uh, and right. uh, something to definitely consider Here's here's the thing that I had Kyle Bush on my list as well And since we're talking about him I'm going to go ahead and bring it up here Because I'm curious to know your thoughts as well Kyle Bush, I'm a little bit concerned about him he, I would say, especially during the playoffs uh, We have not seen the typical Kyle Busch uh, And he's been a little testy with the media Even more so than usual uh, we know that Kyle Bush can be a little bit testy, but he's been, I think, exceptionally testy with some pretty um, – either he doesn't want to answer any questions and he gives uh, kind of standard pat answers and keeps repeating the same thing, or he gives, uh, you know, ridiculous answers or, you know, he, he – he, I just have a concern, and especially with the announcement that the the 2020 package is going to be the same as the 2019 package, a package that he does not like, has made it very clear that he does not like. I wonder if, and and I know he's looked at other series, he's he's talking about racing the Rolex 24. Is there a chance that Kyle Busch is maybe looking at maybe – jumping ship and going and racing somewhere else.
5: Wow. Um, there were a couple of things there I thought were real interesting. Answer that question outright. No, I don't see him leaving NASCAR if that's that's a concern, but um there is definitely something there and it kinda of ties into uh, the other the other uh question I had. Again, knowing how he feels about the car and I think that maybe have been what he would like to have said and chose not to during his post-race interview was I gave it a hundred percent, this car won't pass, you know, type deal. Mm-hmm. Cause we've heard that from him several times uh, every week. <laughs> I was going to say throughout the year, mm-hmm. but I was going to say actually we've probably heard it several times every race. So, but right. so I think that might've played into it. And you're right. I mean, everybody has noticed it um, as far as how he's been away, even in the playoffs, he's, finished in the top 10 majority of the races and has made it into the next round. Uh, he didn't still didn't seem happy, uh, you know, and and the one that stuck out in my mind was uh, and I can't think of the reporter that asked, but the question was, you know, going into the homestead, it's always been a, you must win in order to win the championship. You haven't done it for uh, since June, you know, and, and this was coming off a second place finish. And he was just like, yeah, thanks for reminding me. And mm-hmm. some follow up some follow up comments there he had though was kind of a defeatist in my opinion kind of a defeatist attitude. You know, yeah, we're gonna do yeah. our best. If it don't ha- or if it happens, it happens. If not, oh well, the sun will still come up tomorrow. Something, something to that effect, almost like we've seen Denny Hamlin have in the past when he's crumbled under mm-hmm. the pressure. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a little bit concerning to me that his answer of yeah, if it happens, it happens. If not, oh well. Type answer and that that kind of threw up that red flag again. Like it, like you said, he's got something else on his mind, something else going on. I truly don't see it as necessarily leaving NASCAR again. Maybe he's getting a little worn out. I don't know, um, and only Kyle would know that, I guess.
2: Mhm.
0: Yeah, only Kyle would know that. But it, it's it is curious that he is not himself, and uh, we. It's clear that he does not like this package. I, I I just wonder what if if Kyle Bush could give us his honest answers, what he would say about going into 2020 uh, with this package. Uh, I I just can't see him going through another season like this. And uh, a lot's going to depend on whether or not he wins the championship. But uh, man he he's not been happy and that scares me a little bit because uh, as much as he does for this sport i think it would leave a huge hole if he were to step away uh, well and, that and that it, leads in, i i do think that we might see some surprise retirements
5: you know I, and again we've seen some uh, some things like that happen in the past uh before but uh it's not one i would anticipate I mean, I go back, think back to when he uh, the car tomorrow came out and he won the first Mm -hmm. race with that. And he said he wanted to be the first one because he wanted to say how much it sucked, you know. So (laughs) that's just kind of Kyle's way. And that one, you know, I think was voiced loud enough and long enough. It got heard and there were changes made with uh, next year. The thing with the package for this year, and I have faith in all of these NASCAR teams. I've seen how smart and innovative they are. I think that we will see better from it next year. I, I really do. Like I said, I dra- so. even from from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And here's the thing, though. I don't back everything Kyle has said because he said you can't pass with it. We've seen cars that have to start at the back. That's true. Uh, Martin Truex, Chase Elliott. If the car is right, you can pass. So, I think it's just a matter of his team hasn't found that right key combination to make it work to his liking, Um, which I understand then frustrates him, especially when you have teammates, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, that are out there winning on a more regular basis. So I think Mm -hmm. that comes into play. You know, we've talked about that before, of Kyle has always been kind of the alpha dog at Joe Gibbs Racing. And even when Martin Truex and Furniture Row were in a satellite team and beating them, you know, that kind of comes into play. He's like, how is it we're giving information to another team and they're beating us, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that also comes into play.
0: Yeah, and and if you remember a few years ago when Denny Hamlin was saying, uh, you know, there's something – some or, or people were complaining. Uh, was it Denny Hamlin who said it or was it Kyle Bush? I think Kyle Bush was like, if, if, if you're not running good, you've got to do what we've done, and that's get your nose to the grindstone and figure out what you need to do different in order to make it work. Um, and that's what Kyle Bush needs to do. They have to figure out everybody's got the same thing that they're dealing with. They've got to put their nose to the grindstone and figure out what it is they need to do differently in order to make that package work for them. And they have not been able to hit on it uh at, at, to this point but um i don't know i just get a bad feeling about it uh and uh i i just we'll see how it plays out but i hope we see a different i hope after the break we see a different Kyle bush coming back for the 2020 season um or i think there there could be a surprise announcement uh, regarding Kyle bush uh coming up that uh, we may not like but uh, I, I would be shocked by it if it does happen, but the more he talks, the more I'm getting that feeling in my gut. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting because he does, uh, he's very polarizing in the sport. And as we you know, sometimes that polarization is what gets people talking about the sport and, and brings people to tune in to find out what's going to happen next. So. Uh, and he does so much for the new drivers that are coming into this sport as well. And uh, I'm sure that's frustrating for him as well, because how do you help other drivers when things are not working for you? So, uh, and he's still doing well. I mean, he's he's in, he's the final four with Joe Gibbs Racing. So it's for, not for all the that fifth, bad. For the, the fifth
5: year, for the fifth year in a row, he's in the championship yeah. four.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, it's really not all that bad for Kyle Bush, but but uh he's ha- he's struggling with it in in some deep way or there's something else that's going on that we're not aware of and I wish I wish whatever it was, he we he could get it worked out and get back on the right track.
5: I, w- I wouldn't necessarily again, I don't know that I would see necessarily see Kyle leaving, but I do think maybe a crew chief change again, as much success as him and Adam Stevens have had together, that, again, maybe just that magic is gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm not – I am I mean, it's been clear dealing with Kyle is a difficult thing, that maybe Adam Stevens is tired of it and, you know, can't get any information mm-hmm. from him. So, you know, you never know, again, how that exact dynamic works. But that might be something that Joe Gibbs would have to look at Of Hey, maybe we ought to swap this up a little bit try something else because obviously what's been being tried hasn't been working. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess, like I said, I, I truly don't see him necessarily leaving the sport. Um, I, I understand his frustration, just like with his own team, when it comes to the truck side, he's like, Hey, I go out and win in my equipment. I've had drivers in there, young rookie drivers in there that have won. you're not winning. What are you doing wrong? You know, that, that bar and that expectation that he sets is so high. And which, again, leads mm-hmm. back to my original one. Nobody likes to finish second or worse less than Kyle. So, uh, you know, like I said, it makes me almost think that there's no way he didn't give it everything he had um, because of that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that ties into the fact that he's not at Joe Gibbs, the winningest driver out of that team. So I'm sure that alone is frustrating him.
0: hmm Well, we'll see what happens next year. Uh, and we'll see what happens at Homestead, Miami. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a fierce uh, competition, I think, at Homestead. Okay, what's I next do, on your do list? Do think so?
5: Well, the other one I had was kind of what you and Sal were talking about, as far as at least the, who the favorite is going to, into Miami, um, or at least momentum-wise. Uh, now we just talked about Kyle again; he's coming off a second-place finish, but. Everybody else that got in won in the round of eight, Truex, Harvick, and Hamlin, whereas he didn't, and he hasn't had the win since uh, Pocono, which I think they said had been, what, two and a half months or 21 races. So who has the momentum? Again, I'm not necessarily looking for the favorite or the pick yet because I can't pick one yet. So I wouldn't ask anybody else to. But (laughs) just looking at it, Hamlin obviously coming off the most recent win, but I think Harvick has the best statistics. At uh, Homestead Miami
0: Yeah but you know And Hamlin has had I mean uh, Harvick has had some uh, momentum Coming into the playoffs as well But he's also It's been kind of an up and down He has not been the steadiest I don't think throughout the playoffs Uh, He's had some up and down situations There where he's had to race from the back and some of it's been pit road issues, some of it's been driver things, but um, I think I think that uh, Kevin Harvick certainly has a good car and and, you know, Stuart Haas in general has uh, found something that has made them a little bit stronger than they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I do think that, yeah, he brings some momentum with him. But I think Martin Truex is equally as good on the 1.5-mile tracks and, uh, you know, has won that championship at Homestead Miami as well. I think there's three those three drivers uh, all have really good experience Uh, And going for their second championship I think that's going to benefit them Uh, Denny Hamlin though Is hungry (laughs) And from that perspective uh, Denny Hamlin Just has to make sure he doesn't shoot his own foot Like he's done so many times In the past And uh, we'll have to see If that works for him at Homestead Miami His strength this season though I think has been On the shorter tracks Versus the 1.5 mile tracks. I can't remember exactly where all of his Wins have come from but um, I think Richmond uh, uh, What's the other one? Phoenix I think it's been on the shorter tracks Where Hamlin is winning So uh, This is a 1.5 mile track And I think that's been a little bit more of a struggle For him but we'll have To wait and see I guess What happens
5: well, and that's kind of – I mean, I know and I know he rebounded well, which uh, I like to see following the uh, mistake he made at Texas, which he admitted mm-hmm. and he put it behind him and came back out and definitely had the car yep. to beat there at Phoenix. Um, but I also think that, that Harvick and Truex uh, are the two based on experience, uh, having been there. You know, you can't argue about the whole uh, hungry for your first title versus chasing your second one. Um, which is very true in in Hamlin's case. And I think we've seen that this year, again, that change of he was able to put things behind him. I know we talked about even the one interview was really bad. By the end of the interview, he'd kind of like, you know what? I got to get over it. That's not important. No more. Move on. Mm -hmm. Um, And we saw that again, Mm -hmm. last week's wreck at Texas self, a self-made mistake that he admitted came back and won this race, Mm -hmm. you know, and battled hard throughout the race, had a great car. So, but I still think that and at this point anyway, kind of leaning towards Harvick and Truix as the two to really watch.
0: Okay. And and keep in mind, too, uh, even the announcers this weekend on TV said the crew chief, Chris Gabehart, has had a lot to do uh, with some of the turnaround that we've seen in Jenny Hamlin this season. And a lot of people have said there there is a difference in the Denny Hamlin we're seeing this season as opposed to other seasons. And part of that is Chris Gabehart does not allow him to dwell on the negatives. Um, and and he, he's helped him as far as making that turnaround when those negatives start slipping in. Uh, and it shows because, as you mentioned, we've noticed it even in some of his interviews where he catches himself and by the end of the interview, he's got a different attitude. And and that does make a huge difference. Um, so we'll see if that's going to carry through to Homestead, Miami, and if it's going to be enough to earn him a championship this season. I guess I'm a little bit hesitant because I have seen those little slips where we see those little glimpses of the old Denny Hamlin, you're right. He's kind of pulled it in a little bit and caught himself in some of those cases. Uh, but we'll see what happens when we get to Homestead, Miami, and if ever if all goes well, then I think we'll we'll.
2: You, you never know what we're
0: going to see. Actually, I think this is a tough one to call. My favorites right now are between um, uh, Martin Truex. I think is at the top of my list, and all of a sudden I went brain dead on who the four are. There's one that. Uh, Harvick Harv- and
5: Bush with Again, Bush being kind of the.
0: The yeah, fourth one I'm out, if you will,
5: because he didn't win coming into the play or into the round.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I see your point about Harvick. I think I was between um, uh, Truex and Hamlin. Uh, because and for all the reasons, Hamlin's had most. Uh, he's had the same number of wins in the playoffs as he had in the regular season. So he's had a really good playoffs, and he's got a lot of momentum that I think's on his side. Um, so we'll see if that carries in, into uh, Homestead, Miami. But I gave the I think I gave the edge to Martin Truex on this one because it's a one point five mile track. And that and that does
5: definitely play into Martin Truex's favor as far as when it comes to that. And I didn't I didn't have a chance there to look up the uh, the others. I just know they talked a lot about Harvick's history at that track, as which is. And again, he's been there right there all year, top ten through the playoffs, Mm
2: -hmm. just not
5: a front runner, if you will. With the exception of Texas, where you know, and he let him know. The other the other factor is, and I know they talked about it a lot this weekend. I mean. A chunk of Truex's team wasn't even at that race at ISM Raceway. They were at the shop working on that car, and they've had the longest since they won in the the first round there at Martinsville. And I do think that is going to be a huge factor uh, when it comes down to Mm -hmm. it is the amount of time and the amount of resources and effort that they are able to put in. Like I said, they they didn't even bring all of their team, normal team with, I know through the weekend, I think it was the car chief that actually got sent back to the shop um, following Saturday's mm-hmm. practices.
0: And they were probably like, oh, good, the car chief's coming too. We'll be able to, to work with him. uh. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they've had the longest time to really work on that uh, Homestead Miami car, although when they were at the second race, I think it was before the Texas race, they asked them about that, and they said they hadn't even started thinking about it. Uh, but I think since then they have definitely uh, put put their nose to the grindstone there and uh, really put some thought into it, and they're working on that car for sure. Uh, They don't want to give up that advantage That they have because that is a competitive Advantage and um, uh, We'll see how that Plays out when they get to uh, Homestead uh, This weekend Uh, and I can't Wait to focus we will focus on all These four drivers Uh, on Thursday night's show, and, uh, you know, I'll put some stuff out on, I'm hoping to get some stuff out on Banffa Racing as well. Uh, I had just one other topic here that I wanted to kind of talk about, uh, and it has to do with Daniel Hemrick. Uh, We have not heard yet where Daniel Hemrick is going to ride for the 2020 season.
5: You know, and that one, I know that he said he's got a lot of lines in the water as far as that. I don't think at this point, kind of leaning that he may not be in the Cup Series. I know he said that's still his goal, but that he did also had some talks with some uh, Gander Outdoor Trucks as well as Xfinity Series teams. The fact that he originally appeared to be the front runner for the front row motorsports, but it never got signed, and now there's some question as to uh, whether or not. Uh, John Hunter is going to come in there, so um, get the feeling he might not be in the Cup Series, but I do think he will be in a ride in one of NASCAR's top three, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, we saw him run battle for a championship in the Xfinity Series um, last year, so drop, or moving back over to the Xfinity Series, we've seen that with Justin Algar, Elliot Sadler, I don't think would be a bad thing, um, as well as having him back in the Truck Series.
0: Yeah, I agree I think, that were more more, uh, I think it's looking more and more I think it's looking more and more like That is the likely possibility For Daniel Hemrick That he will be either in Xfinity Or the truck series And I don't think that's a bad thing In fact, I think that would be a really good thing um, It could be that they just moved him up A little too soon And that, that additional experience That he'll get uh, In the Xfinity or the truck series Would be a, a really, really good thing Um, And it all comes down to what fits his driving style the best. We talked to uh, Dylan Lupton a little bit earlier, and, uh, you know, he said he loves driving the trucks, but he thinks that the Xfinity car uh, suits his driving style a little bit more closely. So uh, you never know what that is for Daniel Hemrick. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what the news is going to be, but I think it is looking more likely – uh, that he will not be on Cup next year, and w- it's possible we may see him in Xfinity or Trucks. And and like I say, I, I still think that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing.
5: I, I agree. I, he is one that I think maybe did get moved up a little bit too soon. Uh, and then as well as the fact that Tyler Reddick came on as well. I, I don't blame Richard Childress for the decision they made or the uh, bringing him up, but Daniel Hammer, kind of like we talked about Daniel Suarez, not only did you bring him up to a little too quick, but then never give him the time to develop either. I mean, when we looked at William Byron in his rookie year, who everybody thought was the next big thing, you know, he struggled. But give him a year or two and look at where he's at now, especially paired with, a, mm-hmm. with the crew chief of Chad Canals. So um, I think that's one of those that the opportunity just wasn't quite right and the time uh, given for him to develop wasn't wasn't there. So um, what, wherever he lands, I, I do think that he is one that could certainly earn his way back into a different ride, even if it takes another year or two of running one of the other series.
0: Yes, I, I agree. Okay. So anything else on your list?
5: Uh, no, that was all I really had for tonight.
0: Yeah. The only other thing I have is, um, the potential for any surprise retirements this season are are we pretty much out of that conversation now, or do you think that's still a possibility? you
5: know i well again, you know Carl Edwards did it following the the final finale at Homestead, so you never know um I don't think in this next year um we'll see any either. I think we got two to three years. Barring any decision that gets made, that like we saw with Matt Kenseth, because you know we we both are all agreed when we had that discussion of that wasn't necessarily his decision. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as even even following next year, I don't know that I see anybody necessarily stepping away at their own choice at the at the level they're at. But it may happen that somebody kind of gets
0: pushed out. Okay. Yeah, I I I I still think that we could be in for a big surprise uh, during the, uh, and it'll probably happen after the season finale, and before the, the season opener. Uh, that we will get another big surprise similar to what we had with Carl Edwards. I, I I think there's something in the works. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it exactly but uh, we'll have to wait and see what plays out. A lot of times you get a feeling about these things and it doesn't come to pass, but uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see.
5: I just think the the Carl Edwards one, again, really did catch me off guard, as it did everybody, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. But also knowing that these drivers, especially the top-level ones that are, are so committed to their team, they don't want to put them in that kind of position, which I understand Carl Edwards had to have really been uh committed to whatever decision he was making because again I you know that kind of put Joe Gibbs racing as a whole with moving Daniel Suarez up uh in a little bit of a bind. Um so it would have to be something uh, extremely drastic for a driver to make that decision in the off season when a lot of uh stuff has already been done in preparation and planning for the next year. Right. And it's
0: not necessarily a decision that was made in the off season but the decision was made to not announce it until the off season I think. So uh, again we'll kinda of have to wait and see what, what plays out here. But uh it's gonna be an interesting uh remainder of the silly season. I think it's gonna go all the way up to Daytona possibly. Uh we'll still be talking about crew chief changes and and all kinds of things I think
5: yeah I mean it always is especially amongst some of the the lower tier teams uh crew chiefs that one again you know that one again we saw a couple already um aren't as drastic as a full up driver change, so I think a majority i know there's still a couple unanswered again with Front row um as well as go fast Cole custer, but I think the majority of at least the top drivers barring anything uh I, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, we heard that little rumor about John Hunter and That one could be an interesting one to see where that, that team ends up.
0: hmm Yeah, it is. It is. It's going to be very interesting all the way around, I think. Um, okay, we're coming up to the top of the hour here, Jay. Uh, let's go ahead and do our roundtable thing. And uh, what? where are you going to be this weekend?
5: All right, you can follow me on Mopar mj 8 on Twitter and Instagram. My name, uh, Michael Hoosman, on Facebook. And uh, I'm in that stretch of the season where it's really dependent on weather. There's a couple of special races still coming up, but I know one of them was postponed to this weekend. They've already had to make some uh, other changes due to... Uh, not only precipitation, but low temperatures for us down here that are south of the uh, mid mid to uh, central United States. It's still a little chilly for us down here as it is. Uh, I think we're in the 50s today, so. Um, okay. But might possibly end up what, at, at a race this weekend. At Why not Motorsports uh, Park?
0: Oh, okay. What about, uh, oh, and by the way, next Monday night, uh for our hot topic conversation. Uh we're gonna have Chris Crichton coming on board for us with us for hot topics for our final speaking, of the season.
5: Speaking of why not motorsports Park that is your announcer, the yep. dirtiest voice in the South
0: <laughs> So uh, we'll look forward to chatting with him when he comes on board for hot topics on, on Monday night. Uh also um Let's see, what was did I wanted to I talked about Chris Crichton. Also we'll have Bill McAnally on the show on Monday night as well. Uh Thursday night I think you and I are gonna be pretty full up just talking about the finale at uh Homestead Miami. I don't have anybody on the books yet but you never know. Uh stay tuned. <laughs>
5: I was, I was gonna say if, they, if that's your plan, a big finale for a fan for racing, uh, bring bringing Chris Crichton on, uh, certainly a big one there. I, I, I'd love to, and I haven't even got <laughs> to talk to him a whole lot through the year, um, being as busy as I've been. He's been down there, so uh, that'll be interesting mm-hmm. for sure. I can't, I, I really do. I, that that excites me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought it would. I thought it would. Um, okay, and what about our fantasy game? How are we doing there?
5: Oh, uh, let's take a look at that real quick here. Uh, Every one of the championships could change here. Uh, Let's start at the top, the cup. That one would take a lot. Uh, Some changes. Sam picked up. Hey, shout out to Sam. I I think we've had two or three, but three races. He got all three race winners this weekend. He picked up the maximum 30 points. Yeah, I was going to put it out on the uh, group messenger, but he, as I was tallying them, he had all three race winners this weekend, so definitely got himself right back in the mix in a couple of
0: these. Kudos to Sam. Good job.
5: For the cup side, you're at 121. Sam is now at 112, so it would take him winning and you getting the zero in order for him to take that one from you because it's a nine-point difference. But between me and him... There's only three points. He's at 112. I'm at 109. James moved up to 94 there. Andy at 81. On the Xfinity side, you might want to plug your ears here, Sharon. He actually took that one over now. He's at 101. (laughs) You're at 96. So that's only a five-point difference. Again, a couple different variations as to how that could go. I'm locked into third at 81. Andy's at 69 and James at 61. So those two could swap. On the truck side, this one's between Andy and I. We're both tied at 77. Third through fifth, that's all on you guys. Sharon, you're at 48. Sam is at 46. James is at 43. So all three of those spots could change as well. And the overall, 79. Sam would have to have an amazing uh, race weekend again. But I'm leading at 267. Sharon, you're at 265 with the weekend he had, Sam did get up to 249 so could actually mathematically still actually take over the top spot Uh, Andy's at 227 and James is at
0: 198 Wow It's been fun, Jay (laughs) Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. I I made a suggestion I'm going to put it out to the guys tonight or tomorrow morning uh, and we'll see how that plays out, but uh, I might uh, we might double up on the double ups. Yeah, like I
5: said, uh, bring it to the group, and uh, again, it's always kind of been of an open format of how we want to do things. So uh, we'll see how that goes, and we'll I'll make any announcements there on uh, social media.
0: Okay, okay. Well, again, thanks for all you do, Jay. We appreciate you and. Uh, Uh, Again we'll be back on air This coming Monday night At 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time Uh, And uh, That will be our last Show of the season Uh, Our last Thursday night show Will be this Thursday November the 14th At 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time We'll have NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off At 10 o'clock on both nights and uh those will be our last hot topic conversations for the season. So uh uh we'll look forward. I know you've got your uh seat time uh racing experience coming up as well. When's that going to take place?
5: Uh, I got to verify that. Uh, I got the the contact there. I call him tomorrow uh should be uh November 30th, the uh Saturday of the Thanksgiving weekend.
0: Okay, and part of the deal is that you're going to tell us about your experience, so I'm hoping uh, that you'll be able to write up something about that.
5: Uh, Most certainly will be, yes.
0: Okay, so fans can look forward uh, to seeing that as well. So, okay, so... um, With that, I think we're ready to call it a uh, wrap. We'll say thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate everybody, uh, whether it's on the podcast or the live broadcast. uh, We appreciate you taking the time to tune in to hear what we have to say. We love the sport, and uh, we're happy that all of you uh, are tuning in. So take care and enjoy the week. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night.